Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to the ninth episode of the Sad and Honest Sea Days podcast, Politics and Reading the Table. My name is Keen, otherwise known as Varlis, and I, I will be your host today. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Adam, better known as Poppyphobia. What's up, everybody? Bryce, better known as Valium. What's up? And AJ, better known as Frog. What's up, everybody? Today's topic is all about politicking and reading t- the table. How do we analyze the game from a competitive perspective and how we utilize politics to win more games? But before that, we have a few triggers to resolve in our upkeep. Adam, take it away! <laughs> all right. So to start with, we're going to shout out all of our high-tier patrons. Thank you to Usable Object, Cold Ramen, and Geo Justin, respectively. It's thanks to people like you that we can continue to do this show. And if you'd like to become a patron and get the special perks it provides, you can find our Patreon link in the description. In upcoming tournaments, I will be attending Punt City August 27th and 29th in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Along with that, some of the Sad Nas team will also be attending November Oktoberfest, November 18th through the 20th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Punt City is already sold out, but Oktoberfest <coughs> tickets have just gone on sale for patrons only, and the full release will be very soon. In other nudes, we are starting to collaborate with other MTG content channels. You can catch me, Poppy Phobia, on Mental Misplay Stream this Tuesday, July 19th. Also, my last MLC game is this week, and unfortunately, going eight and oh, going zero oh and eight. Zero <laughs> oh and eight. You didn't go eight zero, oh, bro. <laughs> you bad. Uh, means that I, well, that means I just barely missed the playoffs, which makes no sense to me. I feel like zero oh and eight. I should be probably you just at, barely missed. Yeah, I just barely missed, oh, like yeah, by the skin of my teeth. Um, that being said, good luck to our friend Kai, Fervent Alchemist, one of our channel supporters, who's currently in first place in the MLC. Speaking of content, we are also now available on all major podcast platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're also working on bringing some collaborations to the podcast in the future, along with some gameplay content soon. If any content creators are listening and would like to join us for an episode in the future, please reach out to us through Twitter or Discord. And finally, don't forget to drop a like, leave a comment, or write a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Join our Discord if you want to engage with us more, talk about our latest episodes, or just ask questions about the format of CDH. We will put that link in the description. Now for our main phase. Today's topic is politics and reading the table. We are going to discuss how we politic in CDH, whether or not we like the political side of the game, and how it helps us win more games. In addition to that, we will discuss the skills of reading the table, what actions or tells do players make that you can take advantage of, and how do we make our decisions based on the board state, and what are the differences between the two. So to get us started, let's first define politics in a literal sense. The dictionary definition of politicking is an activity undertaken for political reasons or ends, as campaigning for votes before an election, making speeches, or for our reference, otherwise promoting oneself or one's ideas. So how do you guys interpret this definition in CDH? Ken or AJ or Bryce, which one of you guys wants to start? Well, I'll start. Uh, I believe that it's, it's very much promoting your idea of trying to either manipulate your opponent into believing that you have something that you don't or vice versa um, and things of that nature. Uh, I mean, we all agree on that. You know, it's all about information and knowing your, knowing to 
manipulate your opponent in a way. Yeah, and, and I would add on to that trying to win as well. Yep. Yeah. Like, it, it, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. I mean, it really shouldn't be said, but yeah, <laughs> we add that. Yeah. We yeah. are in a, you know, winner-takes-all extreme format, you know. Yeah. Freaking extreme. Extreme format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. I mean, what are your thoughts, Keenan, on that? Um, I think it's like forcing your opponents to make game actions that they wouldn't make. And having those game actions impact your like possibility of winning. Or not winning and just spite playing somebody. So, um, that's what I think. Forcing To sum it up, forcing your opponent to make game actions under the guise of it'll be helpful, but in actuality, you're manipulating them and lying to them for your own personal benefits. I think you guys are kind of looking at it from, like, one, like, extreme, right? Because, like, when I read that definition, like, promoting oneself or one idea, one's ideas, all that you're really doing when you're politicking at the table is convincing, I'm not the is convincing people to do what you want them to do. Right? So it's whatever you want the idea to be, you're promoting that idea. So if you're like, oh, player C at the table is the threat, you're just going to say that and try to convince them that player C is the threat. You're not so much lying to them or manipulating them. You're just trying to promote your idea as best as you can. Right? It's the same thing like like the because like politics is a is a word that derives from like actual real world <laughs> politics and like elections and things like that and it's like whoever has the best ideas is who we're going to vote for the same thing exists at the table right like if you have the <laughs> the best ideas at the table or if people think you're the most convincing or trustworthy person they're going to side with whatever you say so like when i think of that definition and i think of how you play in cdh a lot of times like one person will just take over the table and just everyone else will just believe whatever they say and start listening to them like oh you know i'm already out of this game but you should you should really do something to that guy because he's gonna win soon and you're just you're just promoting your own ideas in yeah. that sense true bryce what do you have to add so i'm gonna kind of re-say what adam said here but in a way that uh, makes more sense to me personally um two for oneing is a well-understood mechanic in CDH. Well, not CDH, just magic in general. You play one card, and you're trying to get two cards from your opponent. You're trying to take that advantage. Politicking is when you do that without actually using a card. It's not part of the game whatsoever, like the physical cards. You're taking advantage of them without using your actual resources. It's all verbal. So anything that's going to provide you advantage without needing to require what cards literally say or what they do, I would put under the scope of politicking. Like lying. Like lying. Like Deception lying. goes a long way. I think that there's also political cards, though. Like, I think that when you're playing the game, you can use cards as a way to politic. Yeah. yeah. I think with politicking, you can give cards... Um, More power than they actually have. I think have. the word's implicit value. Like that word is a little too big for me. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that's too big for me too. I think they have the more word. value than what's literally written on the card. They do more than what is physically said. Yeah, they have I, extra value. I think that makes sense. I think that's a. I think that like dictionary definitions really help explain kind of ideas that exist in CDH, even though that they might not explicitly refer to our game. You can garner a lot of opinions on on how how they are can be interpreted. So. Um, can infer it yeah so moving on from that uh aj i think you have the first topic that we want to talk about today i do uh how do you guys read the table um and how do you define reading the table more specifically 
because like I I read the table I don't read the table very much because I'm a very turbo I don't really care what my opponents have I'm going to go for the win as long as I see a line I don't read I don't like reading the table much I look for open mana and that's about as far as I really get because people can have 29 cards in hand if it's 29 lands it doesn't matter to me so I mean uh, Kian what how do you read the table um. So I think a couple uh, key things that I try to look for is like cards in hand. Um, so say like opponent has like four cards in hand. So I'm thinking like maybe maybe like a force will if they have like open mana is another one that you should read. And just like board, board state in general. And read, reading the table is important. I feel like to turbo gnaw, like gnaws, not strategy, turbo strategies in general because you got to pick the correct time to go off. Because if every, like people have one man open, there's always going to be that flusterstorm there. I, there's all every time there's going to be a flusterstorm or a silence. So like you know you you got to count. You got to pick your window. You got to pick your window. And yeah, no. that's all I got. It's really rough, Bryce. Um, shoot. Let me read the question again. Uh, reading the table and. How do read, you reading the question. How, how do you the read the table? Yeah. Um, reading the question oh, explains okay. the question. You do, you, <laughs> do, you do a lot of analyzing of the table. I okay. noticed that in your gameplay. Back of my train of thought. I had to catch up to that, so it was running away. Okay, so I think the easiest things you can pick up on for actually reading the table is mana open and cards in hand. Those are two things that you can just take advantage of. They're open and free information. Yep. Um, you can't be like, oh, how many lands you open? And they cover them. Like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't need to tell you. Yep. It's it's free information. Yep. You can ask. You can visualize it. Um, those are things that... It's free real estate, it's my guy. <laughs> um, things that you can't really take advantage of until you have skill or experience are commanders. You can look at those and go, oh, okay. This is the game plan they're on. Um, like, say, they're in the correct colors for a Hermit Druid combo. And they have Hermit Druid. And you're like, oh. Maybe they just win here. So deck knowledge. Deck knowledge. Okay. That's super, super important. I agree. But if they're in like mono green and they have a hermit druid, it's like, okay, maybe that's doing something a little different. I don't really know what's going on there. I'm going to get a forest. <laughs> yeah, you know. Basically. Like, that, that value mill, man. This is just you, a land. <laughs> yeah. It's right. Weather wayfair at home, baby. <laughs> um, and then there's also uh, colors knowledge. So like... Um, blue, you can expect counterspores. I feel like that's... I don't need to explain that. But, like, if they're playing green, are you going to expect them to counterspell? No. So if they have open green mana, you're like, okay, maybe they can have a Veil of Summoner, but that's the extent of the interaction there. Or not So, like, survival. they might have those lands open, but what colors are they in? What deck are they playing? Like, oh, okay. I can expect something, or, oh, they got nothing. Mm. <laughs> um, so I think those are, like higher levels of reading the table and i think also to go along with that is keeping track of revealed information this takes brain power so my two brain cells don't really work so well with that but uh you can keep track of how many tutors people are doing or i'm not monologuing that much no okay, I'm just maybe making, a little bit this is coming from Dude, adam by adam's the way gotta get a turn, you know he's gotta get his 20 minutes in yeah so Keeping track of how many times they've tutored and any revealed information. Those are the other two things mm. that you can keep track of. But yeah, that's, that's basically all I got. I think that you guys are looking at kind of like the surface level of reading the table. 
I think that... Man, he's coming in again telling us we're all wrong. <laughs> no, I think, that I think you guys are wrong, but it's just like... First, when... let's define reading the table. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like when you think about reading the table, like obviously there's like game state information, right? Knowing yeah. what creatures are on board, knowing what cards are in graveyards, knowing what cards are there. But I also think that you can read your opponent's like... Verbal move or physical movement. Yes, like you can you can Which is more up... tells, I feel like. Well, it's a part of reading the table, Correct. right? You can see when someone is doing something that can give away a play. Or they might tap mana and take back a spell. Or, you know, think they verbally think aloud a lot. I think I see that all the time when people go into the tank while they're playing in games. They reveal a lot of information just based off of how long their body language body language and just calculating lines like i see like people all the time they'll tap their mana like planning their line like oh i can do this 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 and this and this like when they're thinking about what they're gonna do holding priority the whole time and then just untapping everything because they're like oh that won't work or whatever and you you can get a really good inference of what's in somebody's hand what cards they're gonna try to play based on their commander and what they're doing in the game i think that you can get a lot of reads off the table based on other people's what they're saying when they pile to get the table. Like, hey, do you have interaction? What are you going to do here? Oh, I can't do nothing. Like, you can kind of pick up on who's gaslighting, who's lying, who's who's got what, what interaction do people have? Well, I can't counter that spell, but I can bounce something or I can remove something. Like, just all these little snippets of things that go on throughout the game help you get a better read on the table. And then as the game progresses, I feel like you can read players much better than you could in the beginning of the game i think as like games kind of grind out a little longer you get a lot more tells from people and you start to get used to their play patterns it really only takes one game to know how somebody plays i mean especially with you and intuition i mean you're holding open three mana and one of it's blue i know exactly what you're doing it's it's not hard. <laughs> I, I swear I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I have no interaction. Uh, three mana intuition? Huh? Yeah. No? So I think that um, I think that reading the table is like really important to the game, and I think that you can utilize it to really kind of help you politic in a way, right? Um, but I think that they're separate for sure. Um, I do want to add something to what you said. Um, talking about like. Uh, the way people move, how they think and react. I don't always consider that like a form of reading the table, even though it is just because oftentimes like in a tournament settings, well, unless you're at your LGS, you're only going to meet this player once. You're only going to see them once. How can you really get a read from them if you, you have no background experience with this player? I feel like that's something you kind of need experience with. And I feel like even if you know them, Oftentimes, it's like working with a faulty thermometer. You know, you're like, oh, okay, this is red hot. They're a problem. And they're sitting on five lands like, man, what do I really do here? I think facial expressions, like... I think you can get a lot from it. It's just, yeah. I feel like... It, it's hard to it's translate not as friends easy to be like, okay, this is definitive information, like seeing open lands. Reading the table doesn't have to be definitive, right? Like, I don't have to know what someone is doing to read the table. My best assumption is me getting a read. Even if I'm wrong in my assumption, I still read the table, right? And I still made an assumption and chose my play patterns accordingly. So I think that just saying like, well, you might not get that good of a read. It's still reading the table. And it's still you making your best inference to make the best game decision to help you win based on the information that you have, right? So like, even if I'm playing with someone that I've never met before and they're not talking a whole lot 
and they're trying to play very skillfully and keep their mouth shut and just play the game, you can still get reads on that. You know what I mean? You can still assume like when someone asks them a question and they refuse to answer the question, hmm, he doesn't want to give up any information. He's probably holding some type of interaction. I could be wrong, but I'm going to play assuming that that's the case. And then hopefully I can bait out that spell or someone else can bait it out for me. That's me trying to read that player, even though I've never met them before. And even new players that I play with at LGSs or in tournaments online, like Discord tournaments, it's really hard to get a read on the table because you're working purely through talking, right? And you can tell who politics better in a game based on how comfortable they are with that talking, right? Because you'll see a lot of guys that or guys and girls um, that are playing on these Discord tournaments that like once they're comfortable and they're in that rhythm and they start talking a lot, they just start kind of dictating the game. And they're the ones that you have to read or try to make decisions based off of because they're the ones dictating the pace of play. So I think that there's a lot of that skill that gets incorporated even when you're playing with new people for the first time. And I think that it just depends on how well, not how well, but how much you want to utilize reading the table. Because if you don't trust your own reads, right? You might not think of it as a valuable skill when you're playing competitively. But if you trust your reads a lot and you're like, oh, I know that I, you know, I know that this guy's got it. I know that whatever, then, you know, that's just how you play. So I think that it can be interpreted like multiple different ways. I mean, there's also like general reads that you can do on people as well. Like I notice, especially even in myself, like if I have the win and I'm going to go for the win, I start shaking, you know, because your heart rate increases and you're. You know, your blood's pumping and you're like, okay, I thought it's just because you never win, and so you're always scared well, to go yeah, for it. Yeah, that happens <laughs> too, you know. I mean, Cody gets countered, bro. Frog gets countered. I, I eat dirt a when lot. Does, <laughs> when does Cody get countered? Uh, I think he just eats from When you Real hold talk. force of will. When you hold force of will. I'm the only one that deals with Cody, and I still lose. <laughs> Correct. Because you, you also play a turbo deck. <laughs> that's, that's where you're that's bad. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. I mean... Uh, it seems like we all have a good idea on what utilizing table reading is. I mean, mm. Adam gave great points, so I'd like to... Like always. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you, well, well it's, you give great points because you can monologue long enough to get to them, you know? It's like 20 minutes... It's like a one-piece episode, you know? 20 minutes of filler and then three minutes of actual episode. Hey, as long as we get it out there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll hand it off to my main man, Bryce, here. So I actually want to continue this conversation. I know you guys don't want to, but... I feel like we moved on. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no talking okay. about monologuing. <laughs> I think, although it's important to like read subtle movements, I think it's like D tier on ways to read the table. Like, if if they tutor, right? We're tier listing this now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well so I, I value know. it more to like if someone tutors, I'm like, okay, they tutored for one card. This could be anything. I'm gonna use that to my advantage. Like, okay, they might have something versus. Oh, they move their hand funny. I think they have an idea. Like I'm gonna value. I know they have a tutor more than. Oh, they're. But that's a read. That's a table read. You they tutored for a card, and you I'm know not that saying it's not a read. No, but they're you know they're playing this commander. They've probably tutored for a handful of pieces. It's probably one of these handful of cards. You're getting a read on the table, and you're making your game decision based on that read. Dude, that's until you hit the Kenrith player and you're like, I don't know what yeah, you got. Yeah, but, but no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, I don't think that, I'm not saying like emphasize body language as your biggest read. I'm just saying reading the table is a useful skill. I'm, what I'm trying to say is that if you have information that is 
hard evidence, like, oh, they might have something, put that above trying to read subtle body movements. And if you, you have it. no information to work off of, that's when you should turn to, okay, what is their face saying? What is their movement saying? And you should put that as like a secondary option versus, hey, they have mana open, they've tutored for cards, I know this is going to be a problem. I think rather than looking at it as like a tier list of what you should analyze with... I feel like it's a better indicator. I think you just use them all in conjunction. You know they have a tutor. You know that they tutored something. You watch their body language. You watch how they're placing that tutor in their hand. You're watching how they shuffle their cards, what their facial expressions look like. Use it all in conjunction with the information you have. That's how you get a table read. It's not just... Oh, they tutored. Okay, that's my read. Or, oh, he moved his hand funny. That's my read. No, you use all those skills throughout the game, and that's what reading the table actually is. Yes. I, I will leave this point later, and I'll bring it up later. Okay. No. Um, so I guess I have the next question. Um, how are politicking and reading the table different? So we just talked ad nauseum about reading the table. Insert <laughs> mandatory ad nauseum <laughs> joke. <laughs> so now we got to talk about politicking and we talked a little bit about that in the intro we got to separate the two how are they different what are their differences in my mind right politicking is all about socializing with your opponents it's not so much okay what is the board state that's like a tool you get to go politicking um if i lost my train of thought <laughs> sorry <Nice>. boys well, <laughs> i'm really derailing I, I can pick it up from there but um thank you the, the thing about politicking and like reading the table is that reading the table allows you to analyze the threat at the table, like threat assessment. So that's where reading the table is. And then politicking is removal of that threat, almost, is, is in my opinion how it goes. Adam's looking at me like I'm a crazy man, but... I think that was an interesting way to put it. Well, that's, that's, how, I, that's how I view it, right? Like, if... If I'm playing Cody and I know I have the turn two, I'm gonna play Mana Crypt turn one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, oh, I you know, uh, land Mana Crypt pass. I'm just gonna act like nothing's happening, because I don't want to be the threat. I don't want to become the threat at the table. But I mean, you play raw. Then regardless. we're just gonna be like, okay, he's got claim the firstborn in hand. Yeah, yeah, he's just gonna go on turn two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he play Cody turn one. Wait a minute, what's going on here? What is he doing? What's going Dude, on? just wait. I add intuition. Uh, Cody turn one ain't gonna be you know so good anymore. He's gotta go down to twenty six lands, and you'll be. Good to go. <laughs> hey, don't you know? It's twenty. 20 it's twenty eight. Twenty one. Yo. 21? So how do you analyze politics <laughs> and read the table? How do you think they're different, Kian? Okay, so I think like. Bryce touched on it briefly. I think politics is more... All right, well, let me back up. So reading the table is what you infer personally and what you can tell from a player. And politicking is sharing those ideals and trying to, like, force your opponent... What was that look for? Trying to force your opponent to, to either, like, help you with the case that you're making against, like, a player or... To force them to deal with, like, to bait them in his, into, like, misstepping a mana rock instead of your vampiric tutor gamble. You know, like, those those type of things. That's what I think. Okay. So, <clears throat> when I think of the terms, reading the table. We the market, are, are we on a shallow end again? I, I, I think, I mean, something what you guys said is a little vague, I think. but Yeah, and we'll describe that later on in our episode. This is, like, the first... 
no, no, half no, hour. Just, like, we don't want to. <laughs> no, no, no. I just think, like, when I think of reading the table, right, it's, it's analyzing board state, analyzing game actions, analyzing player actions to try to determine not only threat assessment, but figure out where you can insert politics into the game. That's kind of where you started with, right, Bryce? Like, where can you... I think that's where I started, and I have no idea. At this point. <laughs> so, like, once you get a read on the table, now you can determine where to politic. And then politicking is, like, convincing, manipulate, manipulating, controlling, and trying to force game decisions to go in your favor. And whether... And sometimes you have to politic people to make the right decision, not just decisions that go in your favor. Sometimes you're going to lose the game and people just don't know that. And you have to convince them like, hey, you got to interact here or we're going to lose the game. Sometimes you're sandbagging spells and you're trying to force someone else to interact for you, right? Like politicking is more so the, the like you said, Bryce, like the social aspect of the game or, or just trying to control the game actions at the table, right? You're trying and not, not control in the sense of I'm playing a control deck. No, you can control the game without playing a control deck by just being good at communicating. And I think that that's what politics is. Reading the table, you don't have to talk at all to read the table. Reading the table requires no communication. It requires player skill. And I think that that's where the, you can be the worst player in the world and get wins by politicking. You aren't going to get good reads. We have evidence of that. <laughs> what, what are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> you you aren't going to you aren't going to win the game if you got bad reads. You know what I mean? Like if you are reading the table completely incorrectly the entire time, your deck's not just going to get you there. You know, because you're going to lose to someone else faster, or you're going to make an, uh, uh, the wrong play decision. And a good example of that is like when at Marchesa you saw that abrupt decay hit the suppression field. That was a bad read. Yeah. He's like, I can win here if I just get rid of this suppression field. But Magda can win at instant speed and had five treasures to activate. So and it's dwarves, artifact. Yeah. So like that was a really <clears throat> bad read and it ended up costing him the game. You know what I mean? Maybe there could have been more political discussion at that game that could have prevented him from making that decision. He could have been like, I'm going to go for the win here. And someone would be like, wait, what are you going to do to try to go for the win? Because maybe you shouldn't because so on and so forth, right? I think that a lot of people lose games due to not wanting to politic. And I think that improper reads can also lead to that. But I think that they go hand in hand, but they're two completely separate. And I have like, it's funny because like I'm doing all these hand motions while I talk and no one can see. But like- <laughs> Oh, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> there's two, they're two completely separate ends of the spectrum that come together to make like, the best the best player ever has good reads and good politics. You know what I mean? And that guy's going to win a lot of games. I mean, you can... I mean, politics and reading the table isn't everything at a game. I mean, it comes down to... I believe that deck knowledge is probably one of the most important things. Because you can have all the politics and all, all the reading the table that you want. But if you have no idea what you're playing up against... I mean, OG Heliod showed up at that tournament and clapped all the way to the top, what, top four? Like, it, it was crazy because no one knew what the deck was. They couldn't like, get these a good are, read on it. Yeah, these are great players, but they just, they may not know exactly what the deck does. This is the thing, though, because I play that deck, and I play with the guy who made that deck, and that deck, he will attest to, is one of the most political decks you'll ever play. Because you have to be the one that gets reads on the table. You have to be the one to know what spell do I have to cast to prevent other players from playing the game? What spell is the most impactful in the game and how do I put that in play in time? And like, even in my own playing that, 
Infinity on high, that OG Heliod deck, I've learned like, fuck, this is a hard deck to play. It's not just, oh, I'm going to combo and win. It's literally like you have to analyze the game from such a different perspective that I think like, and, and this might just be my own opinion, but I think stacks is like one of the best ways to learn politics in CDH because you have to politic your ass off when you're in a stacks deck. To convince people not to kill you, not to attack you, not to target your permanence. Like, hey, don't target that because it's affecting them way more than it's affecting you. And if you get rid of it, they're just going to win because you got you get rid of it and then pass turn. You know, like you have to politic your ass off when you're playing the deck that everybody hates. So I think that like, you know, I think there's a lot to learn from like reading the table and stuff. But I do think it's very, very important in the game. I mean, yeah, and I, I give you that. But... I mean, what I what I'm not saying or not, ugh, what I'm saying isn't that if you were playing OG Heliod, you don't have to have good reads. I mean, if you're playing up against something like OG Heliod, you'll lose to having bad you'll, reads. Yeah, you'll lose to having like you may you may have great reads, but if you don't know what's in the deck, what the deck does, what your opponents are playing, you're not going to have good reads on how they're going to influence your game. So, like, politicking and reading the table are also included with knowledge of the game, knowledge of the decks that you're up against. I think there's a huge, like, there's a giant circle of, like, a bunch of different ways that you you get better at playing competitive EDH in as a whole. So, it's, it's just very interesting how we view everything. I mean, because you view it very differently than I do when it comes to reading the table. So... My reads are not going to be maybe not as good or maybe better. Just not we don't know. I think they're just not the same. Right? Yeah. Like I might read uh, something completely different than you might read it. It doesn't mean it's more good or more bad. That was yeah. like the worst grammar sentence ever. <laughs> so I have a question. I have like a mini question for you guys on this specific topic since we brought it up already. What do you guys think would win more games? Someone who has immense game knowledge. So someone like who knows every card in Magic and every game rule that exists. Or someone who has good politics, someone who can talk well and communicate well at a table. They might not, they obviously would have some knowledge of magic, right? They're not like a brand new player. But do you think politics gets you farther? Or do you think that um, game knowledge gets you farther? Uh, personally, I think, it's, I think it's game knowledge. Because I've played up against people who are not political. They are not very, they're not talkative in games. And they've still won. I mean, it's, it's doable. It's not impossible. But I believe that game knowledge goes much farther, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you? How do you view it, Kian? Uh, I think being more adept at politicking would probably get you farther because it's a, it's a four-person form. It's not just a one one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. So having the in-depth, like game knowledge and deck knowledge, is only going to get you so far when you have to communicate with three other people. And that's, I, that's entirely fair. I'm on the same side of Kian, only from my own player experience. I've won a lot of games that I should not have won. <laughs> I've won so many games from convincing people that I'm not going to win or that I'm not the threat or that you got to take that player out. He's of not. The game. A, I'm not on Thoracle. Just attack him. Yeah. So like, there's there's <laughs> so many. I'm not an Adnos player, dude. I'm not the threat. You know, I don't win. I don't win any faster than these guys. You know. So I think that like, I don't think I have the best game skill, right? I don't think I have the best game knowledge. I don't think I know every deck or what every deck out there does. But I think I talk myself out of a lot of situations that I shouldn't be able to. So I think that like politicking can get you really, really far because you can be the best player. I heard the Into the North guy say this because I asked them a patron question about Cody one time. And I was like, are you surprised to see Cody 
make top 16s in all these tournaments still. And they're like, no, we're not surprised. Cody's a good deck. But here's the problem with Cody. And they talked about how, like, being these high-level players that have this high-level reputation, when you sit down at a table, no matter what deck you're playing, if all three other players at the table, before the game starts, collectively say, hey, this guy's really good, and his deck is really good, we can't let him win the game, you're not winning that game. Because three versus one, you're never winning that challenge, right? The reason why people win in CDH is because it's one versus one that turns into another one versus one. You know, like it, it keeps getting smaller. Three people versus the guy that's going to try to win. Now these people are done and now it's just 1v1 and I have to make sure that I have more counters than you have counters. And then, you know, the game always is constantly changing. But if three people decide that you're not winning the game, you're not going to win the game. So... I don't know. I think that politics, being able to talk and get out of situations and, and be really good can be more valuable than just your vast knowledge of the game. But yeah, I think there's an argument for both. What do you got to say, Bryce? I think I agree with you. Uh, politicking is very important to make sure you're not playing arch enemy because the second you're in that game, it's a losing game every single time. Yeah. If you can keep it in two 1v1s with a little bit of cross play, then you're much better off. But I'm going to say that reading the table is far more important than politicking on this one. Um, I know we're not supposed to use names, but I respect the heck out of this guy. I'm going to bring him up. Edwin, okay? Oh, He's yeah, in our Edwin. group. <laughs> he he politics a little bit, but I feel like his game knowledge and his understanding of cards is just so immense that he will just straight up outplay you, no matter how hard you politic. <laughs> he I, kicks yeah. the snot out of me. All right? It's insane. I Dude's crazy. Okay? I've, never, I've never seen a man get so many wins with just is it. In their life. He plays no. only is it decks and he kicks my ass constantly. And I'm like, Edwin, how do you do this? I he's think like, that's I just play the game. a <laughs> perfect example of game knowledge at its finest. No, yeah, I, that is a really good example. Because, yeah, in our play area, in our local area, that dude has got a crazy win percentage. And he's yeah. just a good player. And so, yeah, I just wanted to ask that question. Because I think that's a fun question, right? Yeah, like, that's what, a fair question. Does, like, what do you value more? What do you think is more important? Because I think that, like... Uh, there are a lot of people out there that are like I, you know, we'll get we'll get to it later. But there's a lot of people out there that are like I don't politic at all, you know. And then there's a lot of people that like me who like my game hinges on <laughs> politics. Like if I that's how I play, and that's my favorite part of the format. But um, yeah, I think we described pretty well how politicking and reading the table can be different, though. Um, Kian, do you want to move on to the next topic? Yeah. So speaking of reading the table, I wanted to ask a question of you guys. So. What are some tells that opponents show that help you influence your game decisions? I know as an example of this group, I'm going to point him out because he's right next to me. Adam, whenever you have like like interaction or something, you tend to shuffle that interaction towards the front of your hand. And it's like a subtle thing that people can pick up on. So like if we're spe- like with strangers, right? If we sit down, we go to like a local LGS tournament and we don't know anybody there and we just sit down. What are some subtle things that you can pick up on? Like with hand shuffling, with like maybe like looking at mana, reorganizing how they pile their lands, or like looking at graveyards. A te- like we're, we're talking about tells. So we're talking about yeah. physical things that other players do that reveal, like give away information. Yeah. I got one. So I, I don't know how useful like, like player tells is going to be, but like board game wise, um, if someone has the mana to cast their commander, and they fail to do so, and they just pass turn. I feel like that's a pretty solid tell that hey, something's cooking there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oops, I forgot to cast Rog. Oh wait. 
<laughs> yeah, you have the man that casts rock constantly, and you sometimes you just never do. I've I've also noticed I've noticed this with a lot of people is that they will, um, the the person who has interaction will most notably, in you know a, a solid percentage of cases I, I wouldn't be able to give you a number. They will be the one to ask if somebody else has information or has interaction. So like I I mean Adam does this. I'm not meaning to point you out specifically. But no, Adam, Adam does this a lot, <laughs> where he'll he'll sit there, he'll have, you know, a few open mana, he'll act like he has absolutely nothing, and he'll go, something will be put on the stack, let's say a Thoracle, and he'll go, uh, do you have interaction for this? Because uh, I, I don't, and everybody kind of looks at him like a little funky, and then he passes priority, and somebody else deals with it, because everyone else is like, well, I guess we have to deal with this. Which brings up you being very good at politicking. Well, that, yeah, I priority bully a lot. That's <laughs> you like, do. I, I like, oh man. Or so like some tells for me that I like to utilize a lot are um, specifically when like people start talking at the table. I find it really easy to tell when people are lying. Like it's really, it's really when someone has a lot of confidence in what they're saying. Usually, it's because. They think they have the ability to be confident, right? So someone will be at the table and like that question, right? Like, do you have interaction for this? Because because I, I sure don't. I do it. Kian, you do it a lot. And every time Kian opens his mouth, I'm like, he's, don't tell him anything. He's got like the interaction in his hand. Don't give away any information, okay? They do it anyways. They do. They're like, <laughs> they're like yeah, I got something to answer. I'm like, why did you tell him that? Like, you just say say no and he'll, he'll counter it, you know? So... Like confidence in the con- people, people can give away a lot of information without realizing it, right? Um, another thing that people will do that's such an easy tell is they'll hold priority for way too long. So a spell will get to them on the stack, and they'll they'll just sit there in silence and hold priority, and then they'll say, "I pass priority," and it's like, "Why? Why'd you wait ten seconds to say that? Like what?" What are you doing? You know, what, what are you trying to sneak by? And it usually, and if they have any mana open or anything like that, it usually can give away a lot of information. But that read can be really wrong because I do that with nothing a lot. Like, I'll sit Experience there. Experienced players use that as a bluff. Yeah, yeah, I'll sit there and stare at my hand, knowing I can't counter it, hoping that the cards in my hand change. And then I will pass priority <laughs> once they realize that they're not changing anytime soon. Um, so you can get wrong tells from people, but I think there's a lot of things that you can pick up really easily. You can tell, I mentioned it earlier, you can tell what cards sometimes people have in their hand because they'll try to like go through play lines physically at the table and they'll tap mana and untap mana and work this out and be like, oh, that's not going to work, blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, today we were playing with someone at a local game store that like had three mana open and had uh, was playing Kess and they were like trying to run through Spellseeker lines in their head and I'm like... Or no, not cast. Yeah, my bad. And they're trying to run through spellseeker lines in their head. And I'm like, "Are you gonna cast spellseeker or not?" And he's like, "Oh, pass the turn." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm just asking because like it's pretty obvious that that's what you're gonna do, you know." So like you can kind of get those types of reads off of just just focusing on or those types of tells by just focusing on like wh- whichever players got priority. You can usually figure out what they're trying yeah. to do so, if you kind of take the time. So how does that influence your guys's game actions? You guys have described what tells are and how you pick up on them. How do you incorporate that into your gameplay? I game think, play? so, this is going into another tell, but it will answer your question. Scout's honor, right? Okay. Did you even finish, <laughs> you guys you even finish Scouts? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, anyways, we'll move on from um, that. <laughs> um, 
I think players that don't engage in politics, I think players that specifically focus on reading the table, right? As you go throughout your game, eventually you get a point where they engage in politicking. And that absence kind of shows like, oh, okay, they're trying to do something. And I think people engaging in politicking, you can use as a way to not only politic with them harder than just trying to throw it into a void. I think you can also glean information from that and politic them back even harder. Like if someone's like, hey, do you have interaction? You can go, nope, with three <laughs> counter spells in your hand. Like it gives you an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Politicking is definitely like a can of worms. Because yeah, everybody interprets it such a different way. Because like what you just described, if someone's been quiet the whole game and now they're starting to engage in politics, I would pick up on that immediately. And I'd be like, why are you talking now, huh? What's yeah. what's the deal now? Why, like why are you Adam, here? he's at it from the beginning. So when he starts asking questions, you're like, oh, okay, he's been asking questions since the beginning. This isn't out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. But if I'm sitting there and we're on turn 16, I'm like, so uh, do you have removal for this? And he's like, mm -hmm. Hello. I'm like, ah, I'm passing priority, bud. You can take care of that. Yeah. So it, I think that um, for me personally, right, like analyzing how does that influence my game decisions, I will bully the crap out of people. And not like physically, I'm not going to belittle somebody at the table, but I will like force you to cast whatever spell I think you have, whether or not you have it. Like, I, like I'll be like, man, I, I might even say like, I have a counter spell, but I know you got one too. I'll pass priority. And then if if you're the last in priority order, if you let that resolve, like... We're kind of domed. We're kind of domed. So now I'm forcing you to do... You know what I mean? Like, if I think I have any revealed information or anything on you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna use that to no end, you know? Yeah. And so, like, that's that'll influence my game decisions greatly. Or if I know what your deck does and I'm trying to convince people that you're the threat, you know what I mean? And I saw you, you know, cast uh, a Brain Freeze earlier in the game, I'm going to be like, oh man, he's going to Underworld Breach now and Brain Freeze is already in the bin and he's probably got LED on board or LED in the library. He's one card away from winning. You know what I mean? Like, that's the read that I'll do. And I'll convince, dude, I'll I'll lose the game convincing people that I'm not the threat. Like, I don't care. So, oh, so, that happens a, a, far a, too many <laughs> times. Uh, I mean, again, I don't really read the table that much, especially with the my game style my my gameplay style but i do use body language as a huge one so like especially when adam like when adam shuts up at a table i know something's wrong because he's not asking any more questions he's either got a win in hand interaction or he's trying to play it low he's like he'll slump back in his chair and he'll get real close to the table and you're like uh something's wrong all right well but, um, no, I, I use a lot of verbal body language um, rather than stuff directly on board. Because especially when, when I'm playing, like, Cody, right, and I go cast Cody turn one, and I got four men on board, everyone's looking at me, and it, it becomes archenemy. I mean, the first three turns with Cody is archenemy. Mm -hmm. Almost every game. But if you can get past that and you, you can read your opponents, like, earlier today at our, L, at our LGS that we went to, it was a five-man... And no one held open interaction because no one had a read on... No one else knew, I, I think, no one else knew what truly was going to happen. And I thought that they thought that somebody else was going to hold open interaction. I have the most knowledge about your deck and your playstyle, and I misread the table there. We played in a five-man. You were first in turn order. I was in second in turn order. I had a counterspell in hand and a Mystic Remora, and rather than holding up interaction, I said, there's three other blue players that go next in turn order. So I'm just going to turn one Ishai and let them deal with Cody. 
and that was the wrong read, right? Yeah. And like I could admit that, like crap, I did a, I had a, such a, I lost the game on turn two because I read the table wrong with an offer you can't refuse in my hand. You know what I yeah. mean? So it happens, right? It totally happens. And you read the table right because you're like, okay, I'm looking. Everybody's tapped out. Nobody's got mana available. Everybody's looking nervous that I'm gonna try to win. Probably a good sign that I should try to win because <laughs> yeah. you know if I wait too long, I won't be able to do it again. Mm. Um. As for me, I use tells to try to pick my spots to uh, so I can go off to cast that Adnaw safely with the least amount of interaction possible. Um, and I think that's really key in mo most of CDH because most of it is combo and picking like your right time to go off. So I think reading the table and uh, the ability to tell when your opponent either has interaction or doesn't have interaction is... Uh, Key. So, and I think reading body language is. Mm -hmm. I know I was kind of hating on it at the beginning, but it is super important in a zone that is concealed, which is the player's hand. You can't really get a glean on what is in there unless you're using something like a taxing probe. Yep. So, really, your only gateway into there is body language. body language. I think facial expressions as well, because you give facial expressions all the time, and I'm like, oh, I know exactly yeah, what two cards I have in your hand. Right <laughs> yeah. Players also like cannot help but like giving away. Like they're top decks. Like I see it all the time. Oh. They like top deck draw, and, and then they roll oh, their shit. eyes. And I'm like, dude, come on, just like top smile after every card you draw, and I will never know what you got. But like people are so animated. Just don't even smile. Not even that. But people are very animated when they play the game, and it, and I get it because it's a very frustrating emotional game. But sometimes I'm like, oh my god, you revealed so much information just by like 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 taking the card, looking at it, and just putting your hand down. I'm like, oh. Meanwhile, did, that's yeah. what you do literally every time. Hey, you never know what I got. I'm fairly certain because you shuffle your hand. No, you don't know, man. I, <laughs> I literally watch you. You. Could even, you could know what I have, and I'll still politic my way there. Yeah, because the other two players are idiots. <laughs> then, <laughs> That's not appropriate. I, what do you mean? I will. It generally not. I'm not pointing pointing to specific cases. I'm just saying if Bryce like I'll call Bryce an idiot. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> you bottom care. of the totem pole. <laughs> AJ's at the bottom. Oh, rip. Way to, way to hit the guy while he's not even at the table right now. <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> now they do. Incognito. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Adam, I think that... Brett, did you want to share a thought or we were going to move um, on to Adam? There's one thing I wanted to point out. So, ways that you can read off of body language, right? I feel like that's the hardest one to do. I feel like every way that you can get a read... Is also a way that you can bluff. Like, if... I lost my train. You know, this is the third time in this whole podcast this has happened. I don't think I've had this happen. You know, I'm not going to say that. Reference episode one, minute 47. So for, the, for the next topic that I think I want to discuss is, do you guys think that politicking should exist in CDH? Mm -hmm. There's a huge community of people in our community that hate the political side of CDH. I know a lot of new players that come into the format from other formats like Legacy or Modern think that politics aren't a part of a competitive game because they're used to playing 1v1 and it's my skill versus your skill. There's, there's, no, talk, there's no talking at the table. We don't need to talk. What are we talking about? Cast your spells and I'll make my decision. But me personally, I think that politicking belongs in CDH because you can't have CDH without the EDH. And so because this is such a communal format, 
a social format. There's four players at a table. You need to communicate and you need to have, there's going to be some style of deception, right? You know, roll for deception. Let's see what you're, no, but, uh, you know, there's going to be that political side to the game and I don't think you can get rid of it. And I don't think it's fair to say that it doesn't belong, but I know that people hold that opinion. And for me personally, maybe it's because my bias of being a political player at the table, but I think that it's an integral part to the game. Um, so I was curious on if you guys feel the same way that I do, or if you guys have different opinions. Yeah. So um, AJ, I know we kind of talked about it before. Do you want to share your opinion? Yeah, I'm I'm on the extreme opposite side. Extreme opposite extreme. side. So extreme do, competitive format. Is that what we're gonna do every time we say extreme? Extreme. extreme. Well, you're the only one saying extreme. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a very descriptive uh, word, but it's but just funny. It, well, it is. But um, I. I believe that politicking shouldn't be in CEDH in the respect of it being competitive. So I believe that it comes down to player skill over most other things. Like if I don't believe that you should be able to talk your way out of or into a win, you know, Mm. like talking your way out of a loss and into a win is way different than just winning the game yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And there there's, but that's me and there's a lot of people who would say that that's you know not the way that they view it because in like adam said it is still edh it still is commander you know it it is a format where you are being social you know i i can't go to a popper tournament and you know tell the guy don't you know, don't hit my elf. You know, like, don't counter my don't spell counter my because because I can man. cast something in response. No, yeah, yeah, it's like you, you can't you can't politic in the other formats. So it's it's nice to have a fresh like if you're coming from a different format into EDH or CEDH. Even there are mm. plenty of people who do. It's nice to have a fresh way to play the game. But I personally believe that in CEDH kind of just in the sea itself politicking shouldn't exist mm-hmm. but that's my thoughts um i don't know kian probably has a different opinion and definitely adam has way different opinion I, but uh let's go on to you kian let's see what you think i, I think i'm kind of torn i agree with you that i want this com- format to be purely uh player based but to adam's point like it's a four-player format. There's never going to be a point in the game where people aren't communicating. Like, as much as I want it to be competitive, I want it to be, we sit down, we have a test of skill, and that's that. I don't want people dictating what I do to help them win or them pulling themselves out, out of win. But I think that's the reality of the format that we play. There's always going to be politics. There's always going to be people trying to push their own agenda. And, yeah. Bryce? So... This is going to be super opinionated because I can't really back up anything I'm saying other than I don't like it. Right. Wait, our podcast is opinion? I don't. Wait, I thought this podcast was purely facts. <laughs> <laughs> I I think some politicking is good and some is bad. I think mm-hmm. deception is really good. Like, um, I think lying is good, but politicking is bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if I say, okay, I have nothing, right? Past priority, right? I could be lying. I could be telling the truth, right? It's depriving my. It's, it's it's blatantly lying, right? I can't mm. cherry coat that. Okay. <laughs> well, there, there is a difference between lying and deception, you know, because yeah. there's 
there's lying to somebody's yeah, face. There's, there's and telling then, a, a big lie and there's telling a little lie. And they're well, different. No, no, no. Because, like, <laughs> you know, you could, if you have a tutor, let's say you have a tutor, right? Mm-hmm. You could tutor for any number of combo pieces in your deck or you could tutor for, say, protection for those combo pieces. On the turns that aren't yours, they're protection, they're not protection spells as much as they are actually just kind of offensive. Because uh-huh. you're no longer defending your win, you're trying to prevent yourself from losing. So there's that deception in there. Like, I've definitely tutored for a lot more... They're offensive. <laughs> well, yeah, they become... You said offensive. I'm like, what? What is offensive about tutoring? <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you got more cards in hand, bro. I don't like that. You know? <laughs> I, but, yeah, I, you know, it's... But that's the thing is it becomes an offensive spell, you know, where you're you are now you are now the player who doesn't want to lose the game rather than trying to protect your own win. So there's that deception alone. Like I've had plenty of times where I've seen tutors. I mean, we had a we had an occurrence uh, with uh, me and Bryce were in a pod uh, way earlier this month, and he Bryce countered a tutor that was supposedly going to be some sort of destroy spell for my commander and i mean i i won the game next turn because bryce countered that but that's the deception bryce didn't know so he went with his best best read on the table and that's why i don't believe that politicking should exist in cedh is because the i i understand that it could have saved him the game that if he would have politicked if bryce would have seen the guy as trustworthy or you know whatever the the difference was but in in a in a shell that is the right call you know it's to just it's to go with what your read on the table is and i've seen a lot of games end where politicking was the reason that the game was won and i mean adam does it a lot we all try to do it i feel attacked well, yeah you should <laughs> um but it's just it's you know, it's it's politicking. I don't I don't like. You don't it. agree with it. I don't agree with it because uh, it's it doesn't show skill. It doesn't. I mean, well, it shows it, verbal skills. It shows hundred percent. Sorry, shows, Adam, didn't mean to hurt you. It shows almost like salesman like skills. You know, yes. you're getting in your opponent's head and you're trying to make them almost view the game through how you want you view it. You, you know? guys are just mad because I live in your heads rent free. <laughs> Bro, you better start paying rent then. <laughs> no. um, but I think that yeah. I think your argument's valid, right? I think that there's definitely a feels bad when you lose a game to politics. Yeah. I think that that's a huge like it sucks, right? When you're like I knew I could have won, I should have won there. Uh they wouldn't have countered my spell if they didn't convince him to counter my spell. You know what I mean? Like there's all these ways that politics can lead to a game loss that feel fucking bad man like they suck i and i feel it too when i lose a game to someone out politicking me uh for reference look at my mlc game where i lost to sick robot i felt so bad after that game i was like no how did i uh yeah I, then i rubbed it in your face and told you how does it feel and then i said <laughs> you know what you're right and i sucked it up and now i politic even harder no <laughs> it's uh, just you're not it's just one of those things that we're like i get why people don't want it in the game right Mm. because we preach as a format we want to play against the player not the player's deck or not the The player's wallet wallet or whatever you know what i mean we want to play against your skill i think that politicking is a skill that in the in the game of magic the gathering some people will just never acquire 
And I think that comes with the type of people that play the game. There's a history of people playing the game that have certain social problems or social, not problems, but social um, disadvantages compared to other players. And it's something that they can't control, right? When you look at things like cards like Chaos Orb, it got banned because certain players can't rip up a magic card and throw it. Well, you're, right? thinking, you're thinking of the unglued one. Regular Chaos I Orb flip is, is flip it two feet from the from the table. Something. I think, but not everybody has... You could rip up a Chaos Orb, and it was legal, and it would work. That's why they made the uncard. That is that is right, because it's whatever the card touches. Yes, or, whatever a Chaos Orb Yeah, what, whatever, but, however but yeah, you want to rip up an $800 card. It got banned card. because certain people cannot physically do that, right? Yeah. There are certain people who don't have the social skills to politic at the table. So saying politics shouldn't be a part of the game, it, it has it's a valid argument. But I think it is a skill that exists in competitive play, and I don't think there's a way to remove politics out of the game, right? I think that it can be like an unwritten rule that people can try to enforce, but it doesn't, like spite playing, right? There's no, nothing in the rules book that says you can't spite play, but people feel like it's something you should never do. I think that politics maybe can get to that point but that's the only way you can ever stop politics right like it's gonna there's four players at a table people are gonna politic i mean people the only are way to take advantage of other people the only way to stop politics is to you know tape everybody's mouth shut during the game really because i can still talk through tape so it's yeah adam, right. adam will figure out a way i mean he'll be talking <laughs> out his ears but yeah but, I, you had something to add brace yeah I, I was going through bullet points and it got passed around but um so Sorry, finish your thought before I segue. I'm done with my thought. Oh, perfect. What a perfect window for me. Okay, so uh, I talked about deception. I thought that was uh, like a good way of politicking. Another one I want to bring up is gaslighting. Right. I don't approve of this in any social sense, but I think um, gaslighting people into think that their um, board state analysis is incorrect is a good way of politicking. Like, oh, you're trying to remove this. That's not the actual threat. And explaining that and being like, oh, okay, this, this, and this, and that's why that's the incorrect choice. You should really choose this. I feel like that's a good way of politicking. Mm-hmm. And then being like, oh, oh, I was making a bad decision. And then they change it, and you're like, ha, you idiot. <laughs> Without actually calling them an idiot. Yeah. Because that is a games rule violation, as we have just learned uh, recently. Yeah. Um, as but, that wasn't, uh, was that on our, our bullet points? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, it maybe is. Later. it's your last. But anyways, question. is it? Yeah. Yes. So the third thing I want to get to is bad politicking. Things that I just don't approve of whatsoever. I think um, threatening players is not cool. I don't approve of it. So like, if I'm gonna play a spell and someone goes, "Oh, if you play that, I'll kill you," it's like, you don't like rattlesnaking? I freaking hate that. It's like, dude, I can win here, but if you're just gonna blow me up and then we both die, it's like, what the heck? Call their bluff, man. It's part of the game. I don't want to call their bluff because then I lose. But Or you don't. Well, I mean, or I we, don't. We, and it's like, okay, now I just, I feel like I can't play because. I mean, if someone did that after every spell, that'd be toxic as heck. Like, I mean, don't cast that soul ring or I'll kill you. you it's like, it's turn one. What are you going to do? You and me, Adam, we used to deal with that with one of our old buddies. I mean, it was, you know, you play that and, you know, I'll swing out and completely, you know, knock you out of the game next turn. And it's like, it's, it's rough. To, to deal with on like an often enough basis you know you just get strong armed into not playing yeah and it's it's almost like they used a counter spell they didn't have 
which is like what politics really is, is it's it's using free resources to almost stand still your opponents. I will say that I don't run into rattlesnaking that often. It doesn't come up as much in CDH, and that's what I like about CDH because it doesn't come up as much. It's you'll just, see more of the deception, the gaslighting, but you'll see rattlesnakes. You're like, dude, what the heck? I mean, I've I've seen it and I've done it before when it's something where like someone thinks you have a counter spell. And they're like, are you gonna counter this if I cast it? And I go, I'm gonna do whatever helps me win. So if I gotta counter your spell, I'm gonna counter it, right? And I might not have the spell they think I have. I'm just faking it, right? And like that's like a type of rattlesnake, but it's never like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pack you when you're trying to win the game. You know, like that's. I mean, Kevin does that to me. Every, yeah, but he that's loves for, doing it to that's me. That's for fun, though. But it's not like, <laughs> it's not like I don't know. Like, there's, I don't run into rattlesnaking often enough to garnish a real opinion on it. You know what I mean? Because I don't really see it that often. Like, I maybe see it one out of thirty games. But and when I do when see you it, do see it. Do you approve of it? I call the bluff every time. I don't care. I ignore it. I'm like, okay, dude, if that's what you want to do, I'm going to go for it anyways. You know what I mean? So I don't, it doesn't affect me in that type of way, but I also don't, I try not to be the one getting politicked, right? Like that's my play style is I try to do the politicking. So like when that happens, I'm just like, whatever, (laughs) I'm going to do it better than you anyways, right? And, like, try to just keep going. And if I get burned, I get burned. And then I get salty, which is fine. <laughs> I can admit that I get salty. But, you know, it's it's just, like, I think it's just the nature of the game. I think it's good to get humbled every once in a while and get salty and, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's salt coming from places I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> do, um, do you have another bullet point? Because uh, those were the main three that I wanted to touch. Otherwise, well, I wanted to ask you about sandbagging. Because I think so. Sand. Do you know what that means or no? We'll clarify it because it can be construed. So, uh, sandbagging, it's it's kind of similar to rattlesnaking, but it's pretending that you don't have something, and like waiting till the last minute to cast it. You're sandbagging your interaction. So, someone casts a spell. I'm say first in priority. I have a counter spell, and I go. Yeah, I don't got nothing. Passing priority. Yeah, you just like act like you don't. You don't have nothing. You're sandbagging your interaction or sandbagging your win, right? Where you're like, oh man, this whole entire game, I've just been wanting to to try to win, but I just have no way to win the game. Oh, this sucks. You know, my deck sucks. I'm so bad. Um, anyways, intuition, uh, deterministic pile at end step. Now I'm gonna win on my turn. Like you sandbagged your entire hand. So. Sandbagging in that sense, I feel like that's picking your window, and that's a very smart and important way of playing. Um, as far as passing priority and basically priority bullying, I think that goes into the deception part, and I'm totally okay with that. Because, like, yeah, you might lose. You're making a gamble, but, I mean, that's the gamble you're taking. You're inherently taking a risk instead of saying, yeah, this is stopped instantly, to try and bait your opponent's losing stuff. Yeah. You, so, like, if you I mean, want to participate Bryce, in that gamble... I know you personally are, like, a master baiter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you bait better than anybody I ever met. And, like, I'm, I'm confident saying that you're quite frequently a master baiter. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Kian. All right, moving on to the best <laughs> segment of this podcast. All right, so this week's Flavor Text will be sim- similar to the last week's. We will be doing one flavor text for the cast here, and we will be one doing one f- 
flavor text for you listeners at home. As a reward, the flavor text. Per, the what the fuck? The per, <laughs> the person that guesses the flavor text correct in our giveaway or in in our Discord, please use the spoiler tag. We'll be we'll be given a pack or you know some other giveaway some other prize uh, and it has to be within 48 hours <laughs> <laughs> why was that the toughest thing ever? i don't Can know I all right yeah how do you do the spoiler tag like what symbol is that uh, don't be dumb. How about that? Oh yeah, that happens. I that, I think you can just Google like Discord help. I think it's like slash forward slash forward slash. I don't know. The, okay. Yeah, it's like yeah. slash 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 slash, and it's, it's spoiler tags. Right. Just like how if you it's do like not... star star, it bolds everything. Yeah, yeah, I know that one. It does italics and stuff. Yeah. So there's like that one a lot. Right. So the first flavor text will be for the viewers. Um, okay. The Partic Mountains are known for their spicy cuisine. Can you say it again? It's not for us. It's for the viewers. Oh, I know. So but just... The Pardic Mountains are known for their spicy cuisine. Cute. Okay. All right. And then the flavor text for us is the Sons of Mirrodin. Opal. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is that, that is it. it. No. <laughs> All right. And that was flavor All right, well, text. Flavor text. Well. <laughs> is it literally <laughs> just the Sons of Mirrodin? No, it's, it's the it's... Sons of Mirrodin only shine in perfection once. You didn't even. He got the first three <laughs> words. Mirrodin. I'm like, it's, there's it's, only one card. Yeah, there's there's only a few cards it, it was in Mirrodin. Mopal. It was Mopal. I, easy you one. You fumbled the bag. Mods Opal, baby. I mean, it, it's it was better like than the one that I guessed. Kian goes, uh, well, I got the perfect flavor text for you guys, and I go, strength is relative, wrong. And he looks at me like I have read his mind, like I'm an alien. <laughs> that he is was what, like, what? That is what I would call a good read at the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Bryce, for getting the flavor text of the week right, uh, you get to prompt the next topic. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Um, how do you guys utilize politicking at the table? Um, I don't feel like I use, utilize it that much, but... Adam, we've been referencing nonstop this entire podcast that you okay, well, politic. Adam can go last because he's gonna politic us into. Oh right, the, oh, yeah. we gotta get our baby time. points in. Yeah. we can go. There you yeah, go. We, we might get a total of ten minutes, and then Adam will take the last, you know, whatever amount of time he needs. We've already been podcasting for an hour, so I gotta, <laughs> I gotta bring down my monologues a little bit. <laughs> okay, well. Um, I feel like the best way to describe how I politic is examples. Um, I think we talked about a little bit about like sandbagging, how to do that. I totally do that just straight up. Um, another way that I do it is I manipulate their game actions. So one that I like to use a lot for this is Chain of Vapor. If someone's trying to win, I will shoot my Chain of Vapor, but I won't target the threat. I'll target something I need to get rid of and go, okay, now the ball's in your hands. You get to deal with it. Sack of land, baby. And they're like, uh, thanks. <laughs> I won't copy the chains. And you're like, wait a minute, what? Because <laughs> it's like, okay, you get to take some downsides or you get to lose. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I'll take the downsides every time. So you get to get extra advantage from a card that shouldn't give you extra advantage. That's one of the ways I utilize it, just off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, how do you guys utilize it? I mean, I, I try not to politic as much as I can, because I believe that you need to play against the player's knowledge and the player's skill over the player's uh, verbal communication, the player's sale of them wanting to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I tend not to politic, or I try not to, 
but I mean, again, it's I play decks that are basically arch enemy sometimes, so it's true. You can't pilot, you know. You can you can politic your way out of it. I've seen Adam do it. Every time you talk, you're just digging your hole deeper. Yeah, yep. you literally. I open my mouth and it's like I've, I've got an excavator now. You know, I open my <laughs> mouth, it goes from shovel. You know, and it's 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 interesting to watch other people politic because especially uh, I'm we're gonna keep referencing Adam for. The, all the rest of this He's the uh, golden episode. boy of it, honestly. He, he really is. This could have just been him sitting in a box talking about it, you know. But it, it's it's interesting to watch other people politic and to learn about their politics and how, how they end up kind of withholding or, you know, showing information that they didn't need to and then you pick up on their play patterns and their play styles. Mm. And then you can learn how not to be influenced in your own game decisions of by that player and uh so i tend not to politic uh adam does a lot uh kian how do you how do you use politicking um i try i've been trying to use politicking more recently um and i found out it's been working um i try to make them use uh interaction for spells that don't matter to me i try to bait them into using their stuff as bryce is well bryce is obviously the master so i can't really come close close to masturbating but <laughs> wait wait a minute whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but what yeah I, I i try to make them use like say i like for example like i just taxi and probe you i see you have like a misstep blah 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 like i'll play a soul ring you misstep and i'm like eh. I get to cast the, the gamble the, and win turn one. The tutor, the you know. Yeah, or so I I try to get them to use interaction um, that e- either doesn't affect like my game plan, or I try to get them to use interaction when I have interaction on spells when somebody when somebody else is trying to win. And I think um, I mean I'll touch on t- touch on it on my next prompt, which is next. But I think priority bull- bullying ties in hugely to how much say and how much weight you can throw around at a table. Yeah. And I mean, you're also in the same boat or similar boat as I am. Yeah. Where it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it, uh, it, it's arch enemy. It's arch enemy. <laughs> like all the time you sit down at the table and everybody looks at you and you're just like, all right, well, I guess I have to try to win, you know? Literally. And like, yeah. And it, it, it feels bad. It yeah. does feel bad. But when you pull off those wins, it's like the greatest feeling in the world, yeah. you know? Cause you're just like, I just beat three other players at the table in a race against who can get the counter spell or who can get the win faster. Mm. And when you get those wins, they're they're very satisfying and they're very good feeling. But it's rough. It's it's, rough. it's an uphill battle. So I think another way to take advantage of people is um, abusing the stack, right? Mm. So a lot of the times when you have a counter war, uh, you'll see the top thing on the stack, and everyone's like, okay. We need to respond to this in order to change how the stack is going. And they'll be like, oh, does anyone have responses, right? And that's normally where you'll see people sandbagging. If you know you have another window to respond, you can always go, okay, I'll wait. So, like, say there's a dock side on the stack, right? And someone force willed it. And you're like, okay. Uh, and they packed it back, right? There's a little counter war going on there. And they're like, oh, I don't have any more interaction. Does anyone else have responses to this? So you can be like, yeah, I'm out of nothing, right, and pass priority, knowing that that pact is going to resolve and counter, and that dark side is going to go right back on the stack. And you can be like, okay, now's my window mm-hmm. after I've let everyone go around. Because most people will just forget that they have another window. And taking advantage of every window you have before it's like, okay, this is the last opportunity is good, and you can take advantage of people with it. 
That's yeah. just a game knowledge advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Picking your window. Yeah. Picking your window. Very important. Yeah. I think this is when we uh, cue Golden Boy. You're going to concede to me now? <laughs> oh, yeah. You <laughs> got the floor. Okay. Sorry, right, nap time. How do I use politicking <laughs> at the table? The biggest political tool that you can utilize at the table, in my opinion, is trust. Gaining the trust of the other players at the table is immensely important to how well you can politic the rest of the game. The biggest thing that I try to do in the when I start a game is I try to gain the trust of the people I'm playing with almost immediately. I try to ask them what deck they're playing. How, like, how, how does your deck win? Oh, that's such a good deck. That's really cool. I've played against it this time, this time, whatever. You start you start boosting that confidence, right? And then when you're in the game, you're like, dude, I know your deck is so good. You probably got a counter spell to counter this. You got to take care of this because I got nothing. You gaslight them and then you're like, ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like you if you gain their trust and make them like something that I'll do is like something that might not affect me. If I have like extra counter spells in hand and it might affect another player, I'll just counter it. Just to just to gain like if you have extra fuel or extra fodder in your hand, utilize it to gain some political advantage because you might end up winning the game because you did that because later down the road you'll be like dude you know i'm not the threat i countered that thing it doesn't even affect me i can play through a graph digger's cage you can't though and it's just better for the table for it not being there because we won't be able to progress and and they're just going to run away with the game and you can utilize those types of conversations to make people think that you're honest with them and then they will believe you more when you're lying to them. <laughs> and people get burned by that a lot. And it happens all the time. I've been burned by it a lot. I've been burned by Kevin from trusting him. <laughs> you know? By by me thinking, like, you know what, Kevin, you're right. I should trust you. And then, bam, I get burned. And I'm like, no, why? <laughs> so trust, I think, is like a huge political tool. And it's something that I try to use a lot. Um, another thing I do is, like, the gaslighting thing. Sure, if you want to call it gaslighting. That's something that I will do or I will, you know, try to boost someone's confidence and, 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 and almost sandbag my own plays to try to make them think that like they they can interact because it's not going to cost them anything. Right. Like I can counter this spell because I'm not going to lose if I counter this spell. But in actuality, you're going to lose if you counter <laughs> this spell because you're stopping them and I'm next in turn order. You know what I mean? So. Utilizing all of those skills kind of in conjunction with each other is a great way to utilize politics at the table. And just like I think the biggest advantage that I have when politicking at a table is that I just try to be a nice guy. I don't try to bully players' decisions. I can force you to make a play that you don't want to make by just being comfortable with you at the table. I think that that's that's like the biggest advantage. Like magic, there's a lot of meanies in the, at the table. There's a lot of people that are like, that was a dumb play. Why would you ever do that? Why would you ever cast that spell? Oh, you just, you literally did that in past. And like, they just belittle other players at the table constantly. And like, I might do that when I'm salty. I think we can all admit to that. Like sometimes I'll, I'll I can be a dick at the table if I'm upset. But like for the most part, when I sit down at a table, especially when I'm playing with people I don't know, and like one of you are at the table, I'm so nice to the other players at the table. And I will I will just be like, you know, like, oh my God, like he's on Adnaz. He's such a threat. He can win on turn one. Oh, we're so lucky we survived turn one. Turn two is going to be bad, you know? And like, they're all like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That... <laughs> we like rally. Yeah, get him, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the Thorgal Consult. <laughs> yeah, get him. And we rally at the table. And, and, and I can... 
I can take threat assessment completely off of myself. Or when I am the threat, I can be like, oh man, you got a graph digger's cage out. There's no way my deck can win through a graph digger's cage. I'm out of the game. And then I cast Oriok LED. And I'm like, haha, it goes to my hand. I can still cast it. You know what I mean? So stuff like that. Like being really nice, I think, too. Like these, this, it's, it's not even a political tool. It's just like a character trait, right? Just being nice at the table can make people confident that you're telling the truth. Because... No one wants to listen to the guy that's belittling their plays. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to wants to to help that person out. So these are like specific things that I do when I politic at the table that I found really good success with. I am so glad that we've done this episode and that people can listen to this and strip you of all your power so we can actually win some games. <laughs> knowing, oh, this guy is manipulating the crap. I know. Out I of have me. to be careful not to give away all my secrets because <laughs> I will start losing way more games. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that was a good, that was a good t- question. No. Uh, Kian, what's your next question? So I know we've touched on sandbagging, right? So I wanted to ask, when is it appropriate to withhold or reveal information to help control your opponent's read on the table and their game actions? And I wanted to add a caveat to this. So we've touched on, uh, priority. I wanted to add, um... How big of a factor does priority um, hold when trying to um, influence your opponent's game actions or your own game actions? Like when to hold information or when to reveal information. Personally, I think that priority bullying is a huge thing in this format and that like <clears throat> your ability to wield it is will help you win games. Like say, like I'm third in priority and you, you went Adam went first and it goes Bryce, AJ, me. So I obviously have like the prime seat at the table. You yeah. guys have to use all your interaction bef- to stop Adam or AJ has to use interaction to stop Bryce or I have to use my interaction to stop AJ. Like yeah. priority is a huge thing in this format. And I just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on when is it appropriate to hold information and when it is when is it appropriate to just pass and Maybe your read on the opponent next to you is correct and they have the interaction. I I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. I think the turn order seriously matters in this mm-hmm. game. Like, I think me going, say we're in a Cody pod, right? I think going after Cody versus going just before Cody is huge. Because, like... That can matter between winning Cody and losing. is going to be the fastest deck at the table. He's going to be able to attempt it first. So if everyone has to waste their stuff on him, and then Keen gets to try it and everyone wastes their stuff, by the time it gets around to me, everyone's blown their load, and I'm free to just zoom on in. I mean, that's literally what happened tonight. I mean, Adam was in my pod. If anyone, I'm talking anyone, was in front of me in turn order, I wouldn't have been able to win. Because everyone else had, you know, turn two counterspells. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean... You don't even have to have free ones. Like, I get that they're expensive, but, like, even just a regular counterspell, you can politic with just that. I mean, you, you can politic with as little as, you know, a bounce spell for, for all people care. But I believe that it's it's appropriate to withhold information if you are in the first... In my opinion, I differ from Bryce and Kean's opinions on this. Um, but I believe that you are in the worst spot if you are the last in priority when it comes down to a spell on the stack. Because everyone's looking at you. Because if 
if I'm second, you know, like let's say oh, I'm I'm because you're corner. on the receiving end of the yeah. bowling. Yeah, because you're you, you're on the receiving you. end. Okay. So if I'm in a pod with you know three other people, and let's say consultation goes on the stack. There's a thoracle already, whatever. Consultation's on the stack, and everyone's gonna look at me. Because if I look like I have no interaction, then they know they have to do something. Because if they pass priority, it's going to happen, and the game's going to be over. So it's almost worse, in my opinion, to be in the first seat. Um, I would say, in in terms of, like, tier of bad, the, the first person to go after the player who's playing the spell is second worst. So the third person in turn order is the worst spot to be in. So you want to be middlemaning. You you want to be you want to be the first seat. Okay. Because the second seat You can seat, just pass with two and exactly. three and four up. Yeah. Because problem, you now have three and four. The problem is that priority order changes throughout the game. Exactly. So like it's just depending on who's trying to win. It's just depending yeah. on who's casting the spell. But I agree that if someone's trying to win and you're the last in priority order you're boned because there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. There's a lot. If you don't have that, you better, you better tell people hard. I cannot stop this. So do not pass priority to me if you have a spell because we're gonna lose the game. Yeah, that's like that's your that should be your job as the lat. You either you if you're not gonna say anything, you better have the spell or you better let the table know that you don't because that's gonna fall on you eventually. You know what I mean? And don't think like oh I don't want to say anything because you know. Player two or player three might cast their con. They're not going to. They're going to pass priority and make you do it. So be very vocal about that. Yeah, and I mean, I'd say in, that's in when terms it's reveal that information like right away. I don't yeah, got nothing. Like, <laughs> and there's also like I, I've seen this on on the Magic subreddits and stuff. Is it okay if I reveal my hand to my opponent if it helps me politic them into thinking that I can't do anything or I can't win? That's illegal. That is fully illegal. You cannot reveal your hand to just an opponent. I mean, if you revealed, you, you, you have to reveal, reveal it to the table. Yes, but I'm saying like, when is it okay to do that? You know, is or is it even okay to do that as a player? Because like, there are definitely times where I've been like, I'll show you my hand. I have nothing. I can't win, and I have no interaction. So I'm a sitting duck. And do you guys? I'm gonna kind of caveat a little bit off the question. Um, or I'm going to make a little side, you know, question here is, do you guys think that that is actually a, not only viable strategy, but an okay strategy in terms of playing as a political player? Because I obviously, I don't like politics. I don't want to do politics. I do because you have to in this style of format, but do you guys believe that it is okay to reveal your hand in those instances? So, uh, I, th- I think revealing your whole hand um, is a bad situation, no matter what you're doing, um, just because you lose the ability to bluff, because everyone knows exactly what's going on. I think you can um, reveal part of your hand to increase your chances. So say we're playing Arch Enemy, right? We know someone's a threat. They have, like, on board a win, and you have removal, but you can't remove the whole thing. I think it's acceptable and actually good play to go, hey... I can deal with one thing and reveal the card that can deal with one of them and say, I need someone to cough up the second half of the removal that we need to progress with this game. Um, yeah, that's that's my whole piece. Oh, I, th- I thought you had something <laughs> more. It's not like you're yeah. yeah. um, Sorry, boys. I'll leave it at, I think it's good to either withhold or reveal information when it helps your win percentage. If you don't think that 
withholding information is going to help you in the game, then don't be afraid to reveal it. Don't be afraid to be vocal about what you have. Don't be afraid to say like, dude, I'm not the threat. I've exiled this card and I have this card and you know, this card doesn't work anymore. Sometimes you have to tell people the obvious because they're just not paying attention. Sometimes the things that you're looking at for your deck is not what everybody else is looking at. A good example of this is on Monday, someone had a Graph Digger's Cage out and I'm, or not, uh, this was uh, on Friday. Someone had a Graph Digger's Cage out and I have uh, Savine, sorry, okay, let me restart. On Monday, <laughs> someone had a Nevermore out naming Underworld Breach and I could still win through Savine's Reclamation because I'm not casting Underworld Breach, I'm putting it onto the battlefield. My opponents didn't like understand that concept, and Kian was trying to convince them like, don't name Underworld Breach because he can win through Underworld Breach. Like he has Savines, you know he has Savines, and he will just return it to the battlefield. So it, you can't stop him by doing that. And they just didn't listen. But that was Kian revealing information because they just didn't understand the obvious, right? I believe I've heard this story, and it wasn't just that they didn't listen. You convince them not to listen. Correct. Yeah, yes, okay. But that, that's, you know... That's, that's not the point of the story. That's <laughs> about I feel like that's relevant information. You, what I'm getting at <laughs> is that, like, sometimes you have to reveal information to help your own case, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's appropriate. When you're trying to win the game, sometimes you have to reveal some information. When you're trying to move threat assessment to another player at the table you can reveal some information. And I see people do it all the time. They're like, I don't, I can't do anything. I have one card in hand. I'll even show it to you, yada, yada. But they put a top deck tutor on and they won't tell you what that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can kind of play with a little bit the things that you're saying to get the thing that you want across. Or like, dude, I have nothing to do, no creatures unborn, yada, yada, yada. But you can cast your commander and win the game. You know what I mean? Oh, no, so, don't, don't worry about that, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so stuff like that. And so... so I just think that when it helps your win percentage, by all means, withhold or reveal information. Otherwise, just go through the motions of the game and politic when it comes up. Yeah. So, I think revealing is a rare situation. Like, it doesn't come up as much. I think withholding is, like, much bigger, especially I, with counter -wars. I think smart players sometimes will make you reveal. Yeah, like, like, oh, okay, you're telling me you don't have anything. Okay, show me your hand. Like, prove it. Otherwise, I don't believe you. Yeah, otherwise, I'm going to kill you right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the best removal is player removal. So I'm going to gonna remove you from the game if I think that you're going to interact with me. No, I promise. I don't have any way to interact. Well, then see. show me. Yeah, oh. show me that you don't have a way to interact. And if you're that player and you really don't have anything to interact, there's no reason not to show your hand, right? No. Yeah. Although if you have Thoracle Consult in your hand, maybe you don't want to show it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to choose very wisely how you do that stuff. Yeah, so AJ, I agree with you. I don't think there should be any cards revealed from your hand, but I feel like you can still reveal information about cards in your hand. Because I feel that like revealing cards is like set in stone, I have this card. But revealing information, like being loose about it and being vague. Like being, I have a counterspell. Or I yeah, have a or, bounce spell. Or I have a way to deal with the problem the problem and that I, way maybe you know i gain control of it because now it's not a problem to me yeah it's a problem to everyone else still but it's not a problem to me yeah and with like being vague i think and not i have force of will plus a blue card i can stop them instead of i maybe like i i have interaction for what he's have doing a way of dealing with yeah this. and i think that that helps to like boost your win percentage so you should definitely do that but 
have like showing the card is a illegal if you're not revealing it to the table and i don't think it sh- should that be, is that is especially that is a very good rare anyways. case that that should happen ever yeah. plus this is a competitive you, format so yeah, you shouldn't you don't want yeah. to you don't want to give all of your opponents information truly yeah. but in the event where it's illegal to not do that it, you you kind of have to make the you kind of have to make the decision on your own to to pick that uh, pick the times when to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause... I agree with Kian here. Like, um, revealing sometimes is good to set stuff in stone, but often just saying, "Oh yeah, I have a blanket card that does this thing" mm-hmm. is much better. Yep. Um, so, uh, speaking of game win percentage, Adam. Yeah. Do, do you have so, something to talk about? Yeah. My next topic that I would like to ask you guys is: Do you guys think politics help improve your win percentage? Do you think that politicking at the table helps you win games? For me, I think the answer is 100% yes. That politicking at the table helps me win games. It helps my win percentage. That's why I try to do it as often as I can. But for you guys, I'm interested in how do you guys think politics impact your win percentage? Do you think it really matters all that much? Or do you think that you're going to win just as many games whether you politic or whether you don't? Okay, so starting off. When I'm on a pod with you, politicking does not help increase my win percentage. It decreases it because you just go like, ah, I know you're wrong, and then you out-talk me every single time. So in that case, no, it doesn't. But most of the time, um, I've been starting to politic more and more, and uh, it, it's there's been a couple cases where it's came up. Be like, oh, I wouldn't have won this game if I didn't make him use his interaction, so now I can cast an Atmos. You know? Yeah. And I I see that um, I see it a lot in your games specifically, um, especially when when Adams in the pod. I mean, you there's there's no politicking when Adams in the pod. It's Adams politicking. Everyone else is listening and pretty much doing what he says. And uh, I SMH like I'm I'm not even gonna <laughs> lie. I, I I would attribute. I would state. Personally, I think like twenty-five to thirty percent of Adam Adams wins are politicking exclusive wins. True. Like that's almost my opinion on that. That's not true. I gotta cast cards sometimes. Oh yeah, sometimes. Uh, Intuition, I win. (laughs) (laughs) And then forget what they do. (laughs) Great. Final fortune says I lose the game. What? Dude, the amount of times I've seen Adam read Force Will, I I think he'd know, you know, by pixel how to recreate the art. You <laughs> know, it's it's crazy. Listen, I'm just hoping that I don't have to discard the card every time. But <laughs> I never have five mana. Yeah, you're hoping that the text changes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I don't. I again, I try not to use politics just because I like playing against the people, not the way that people sell. Mm-hmm. But just be a I, better salesman. I mean. I, <laughs> I tried. It didn't that work. Failed once. Well, yeah, that failed once. That's not happening. I'll tell you what. AJ sells a lot of games. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Um, but I, I believe that politicking does help almost everyone's win percentages, just because there are those opportunities where you'll have one card in hand. There'll be some problematic thing on the stack. Your one card in hand, if it's like Adnaz or something, right? I've had a lot of games in Cody where I'm sitting there and I have Adnaz as my only card in hand and people will look and there'll, you know, there'll be something problematic on the stack and they'll look at me like, oh, are you going to become a problem, you know, now or soon? And I just kind of go, I got one card in hand. What what am I going to do? And a lot of games will end where it's like, 
okay, I counter that, and I'm just like, okay, Adnaz, go. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm winning this game. You know, this game is ending. And uh, I see that in a lot of people. And I think, I do think, even if it's marginal, if it increases your win percentage, it is something you should do. In the, in the respect of competitive, in and of itself, we are cutthroat. We are, you know, go for it. There is no, you know, no holding back. And, um, and there's no feeling bad for winning unless you cheat, in, in my opinion. You know, if... Not, not earning a win. I mean, whether you earn it with your words or with your play, if you, if you don't earn a win, it feels bad every time. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know the rest of your opinions on that, but... Uh, yeah. Bryce, what's up? So, <clears throat> I think it's somewhat dependent on what your pod composition is. So, like, say I'm in a pod with Adam... If I don't politic, I will lose. Like, I need to politic just to stay afloat. Um, so, yes, that seriously improves my win percentage. If I'm in a pod where it's three AJs and they don't politic, <laughs> all they do three is AJs. just take in politics and yep. go, okay, I'll just take note of that mentally. I won't say anything. Me politicking, I don't think it's going to do anything, mm-hmm. like, whatsoever. Like, it only gets me so far because um, there isn't just isn't that table talk. So, I think your chances of having an actual impact with politicking goes up the more people participate in it. I'll, I'll give one really good example I agree. of when politicking improved my win percentage. No one cares, okay? No, listen. We're, we're to do that. <laughs> no, listen this is We've been gassing you this whole episode, man. No, 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 you don't I, have to I, get... This isn't... Just shut up and listen, okay, buddy? Hey. I'm offended. Bro, are you going to talk about your Judge. game next? Come no, on. so... Um, the, when I played at the Chaos Tournament... I went in that tournament uh, 0, 1, and 3. I lost one game, and I got three draws. In that tournament, the first game I played was against Gustav, who is a very, like, in the Discord community, well-renowned, really high-level player who's won, like, two playing with power tournaments. He outplayed me in game one and completely won that game. Every game after that, I politicked myself to draws rather than losses in games that I 100% should have lost. I don't know how it happened, how people didn't try to go for wins, but I talked my way out of losing every single one of those games, convincing people to spite pact because even though you're going to lose on your trigger, I can kill that player who's going to win, and then this game's going to go to time, and we'll all get a draw, which means you don't get a game loss either. And they're like, you're right. I'm going to spite pack that spell. And I'm like, that worked? Oh my gosh. And like, then we drew the game and that person gets a draw now. They don't get a game loss, even though they died first, you know, like little things like that, whether or not you think it'll help you try it because it's worked for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think watching you do this has really like opened my eyes a little bit. Like, wait, I have to talk instead of just sit here and do, I can't, do, I can't do just my play Adnaz and win? What? I have to actually communicate with these people? <laughs> well, especially at the highest level of competitive play, when you're playing in these REL tournaments and stuff like that, knowing those rules can help you politic so much better. Like that specific instance where it's like, hey, you're going to lose this game, right? Lose in quotation marks because you're going to be out of the game first. But if I can draw this game out, you don't get a loss on your record and you get more points for tiebreakers. So it actually benefits you to do this. And if you can know that information and convince people to do that stuff, it might help your win percentage as well. Because I would have lost that game too. And then I don't get any points. 
that person doesn't get any points and only the person that wins gets points. So a draw is just better for the three of us that we're going to lose. So, you know, that also goes hand in hand with gaining people's trust and what I said earlier. But, um, yeah, I think it can yeah. really help your win percentage. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, AJ, I think you have a closing uh, prompt for us. I definitely do. Uh, as, as I mentioned before, it is a game rules violation to insult people. So, where do you guys draw the line in between politics, uh, whining and complaining, and harassment? Okay. Because if you, if you harass somebody, that is a game rules violation, and it can be major. It can get you DQ'd. Mm-hmm. So where do you guys? I mean, we're we're all friends, so we we harass each other regardless. Oh, yeah. You know, we we make jokes, we make fun of each other. It's it's all within the the group of people. So but if you're content. playing with other people, you know, people you don't know, mm-hmm. where do you guys truly draw the line? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna clarify one thing. So when you first brought this up, you said if you insult someone, it's a game rules violation. That's not entirely true. So. If you go to the REL Rules IPG 4.2 Unsporting Conduct Major, the definition of this major game rules violation is if a player takes action towards one or more individuals that could reasonably be expected to create a feeling of harassment, threatened, bullied, or stalked, that is a major game rules violation and you will be penalized with a match loss. So... Insulting someone, like, you're ugly, is not a game rules violation. But harassing someone to the point of a breakdown or threatening someone with physical violence or with emotional torment, right? And um, things like like actually bullying someone into submission, like into a concession, is a GRV. And you will get a match loss for that. But there's a difference between major and minor game rules violations. So that's something to kind of clarify for people that don't really know the intricate yeah. rules. Yeah. When it comes to drawing the line between politics, whining, and harassment, um, it's a super thin line. It is yeah. paper thin. I think that the harassment line is not that thin. I think that um, you know when you're being a dick, don't be a dick. There's there's a huge difference between trying to politic a table and being a fucking asshole. And we have it even in our Discord rules. Don't be a dick in big, bold, huge letters. Because no one wants to be a dick. No one wants to play against a dick. And if you win a game just because you're a dick, fuck you. You know? There's no, there's no fun in that. That's not a game, right? Yeah. When it comes to politics and whining... That line is so fucking paper thin, <laughs> dude. Like, even I can't control it. Like, I whine. Sometimes I'm like, no, why would you? Oh, no, that's such a, oh, no. And, like, it's annoying. And it sucks. And you don't want to be the player that whines every single game. Because no one wants to play with that guy. Um, so, it's, like, drawing the line, it's hard. There isn't, like, a defined line. Like, you got to walk. You got to tightrope that line so carefully to make sure that you're not going to cross it and then... People are you're gonna lose your political edge once you cross that line. So you have to determine where is your line, and you you you're gonna to have to play a bunch of games and kind of figure out where the line is because you don't determine the line. The other players at the table do. So you gotta understand when it's taking it too far and when it's not, and where to where to reel it back. Um, and I think that that takes a lot of practice and a lot of. You have to fail a ton. You have to you have to lose a lot of games because no one believes you because you whine too much before you learn that 
okay, this is where I this is where I know I've gone too far, um, and I think it's it, it it it's difficult to figure that out, especially if you're a new player. I think you take it too far all the time, man. Like you you're, you are way too nice. You know, you just have to be more negative. Okay. No, oh I, my the, god. Yeah. Okay, so you're memeing. You're memeing. Oh yeah, he's way too nice. Oh my when, goodness. What am I not memeing? I think something I want to add on. Okay, so you said. I don't want to say the D word, but just like you'll know when you've gone too far. I feel like it's what? good to. You don't want to say Dargo. Yeah, he's too powerful. <laughs> Dagon? What? Dar- Dacon? You mean Dakmar? <laughs> Esperlands matter. Anyways, I feel like it's important to further clarify that because just saying, oh, you'll know when it is. It's like okay, when everyone's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I think the. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this, but I think the big point there between harassment and just playing the game is when instead of going oh that was a misplay or oh that's a bad card to play at this time instead of that was a bad choice from you you're stupid because of that or hey you're just insulting the player instead of their game actions when it becomes more personal i think that's that line. that's strong line yeah yeah that's definitely on the line of of it's almost like if Especially when you belittle somebody, I think that's where the line of harassment starts. Because then it's escaping the game. Yeah. And that's because, when you enter that harassment. Yeah. Mm. If, if you're insulting somebody's, if, like, deck for being good or something like that, mm. like, that's more whining. Like, I hear that a lot uh, with Cody. Like, I had people ask who was playing Cody tonight. And, you know, yeah, they were like, like, who's playing that shitty deck? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's stuff like that where it's like, it's. There, there's a difference between obviously making a joke and then complaining and then harassment and you know there, there's a lot of lines that you you have to draw, but I believe it also comes down to when you learn when you learn you can't about, spell harassment without ass. Don't be an ass. Yeah, that, that's really what it comes Why down to. Why is that what I get to see when you bring that up? What did you mean? No one can see anything. <laughs> no one can see anything. Yeah, we're my we'll keep eyes it, are going to be. We'll keep it at that. We, we might we might not have videos on here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we only got podcasts. Now right now. I mean, but, hey, uh, that, that, I mean, we. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I, I, I wasn't gonna point him out, but you He's know you know up. who we're talking about when we say the other one that does the exact same thing. So that's all I'm gonna say. Um But yeah, I mean it's it is drawing a lot of lines because when you start I, I believe that once or twice of a complaint about the table in general yeah. is fine, but I believe once you start to get past that, at least in my opinion, you start to get into whining. Yeah. And I whine a lot. I, I, we all, we all I, dude, bro, listen. I, I, I whine a lot all the time. I was whining today because my, my shit got countered turn one for no reason. They always have a fluster storm. Like, dude, we'll, they we'll, they do every time. No one else gets fluster stormed. Out of the percentage of us that play the games, no one else gets fluster stormed as much as I do. No, there there is and, literally and, no. And, and you play Cody. It's like how. how <laughs> Dude, it's I'll the put, funniest thing too, because I'm like, oh, Keen's in the pot. I don't have to deal with a fluster storm. <laughs> I like, I'll put, I'll put four spells on the stack. All of them will resolve. It'll go to Keen's turn. He'll cast like I three don't know, things, and, and then yeah, they get. No, 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 you won't even cast three. You'll cast one, and they'll be like, all right, I cast this, this fluster storm. He's like, I'm, I'm gonna like, cast. What? I'm gonna cast uh, brainstorm fluster storm. <laughs> Literally, like it's, Look. it's, but that also plays into ties into the thing about politicking, you know? Because like, it's not politics. 
It's well, just the, yeah. well, as much as I hate it, it's the correct move. But I mean, sometimes I've seen a lot of stuff get countered that never should have gotten even the thought of being countered. You know, like I, I saw a brainstorm um, get mental misstep the other day. And I sat there, and it's like, he's second in turn order. The first, I think it was the fourth guy in turn order, missed up the second guy. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm third in turn order. I'm like, what, I what, was, that, what was that play? <laughs> like, there, there are a lot of times where it's like, I've seen Kian get, get hosed for no reason. <laughs> get good, kid. That, literally. I, <laughs> I, I, well, but, uh, all right, well... Um, does anybody else have anything else to add to uh, uh, any points or? Yeah, did we did we clarify that enough? I think I think we did. I, I think, I think so. we, I think well we addressed harassment. Yeah, yeah, I think we did. Politics a good job. and whining, though. Where do we draw the line between those two? Again, I think Adam was right about it being a very fine line because yeah. you. It's, it's hard. It's thin. It's, it's hard politics to... could be or whining could be politics. Whining yeah. is subjective. Every other player at the table is going to consider you either whining or you just playing the game. And it all depends. We played with plenty of players where we think that they're whining and someone else is like, oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't think he was complaining that much. I didn't think they were complaining that much. You know what I mean? So I think that you can't draw a line. You have to figure out for yourself where's the fine point of where majority of people don't think I'm a whiner. You know? And, and also, take try to take the whining out of your politics. Try to take... The whole like, why are you, why are you casting that? Why did you do that? No, 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 no don't do that. Try to, try to anticipate things and talk about them before they happen, instead of complaining about them once they do. That I think is where you draw the line. Yeah, if you're complaining about a resolve spell versus when it's on the stack, it's like, okay, we have an opportunity to deal with it. Not even that. Like, if a spell is gonna be put on the stack, if you really want to politic, you have to say, do not pass priority. Let's talk about this spell before you pass. Because if you pass priority, you cannot take the spell back. If you are still holding priority, you can choose not to cast the spell. Because you're still in the casting part of it. As long as yes. no information was revealed from other players at the table, which means as long as someone else doesn't gain priority and then pass their own priority, you can still take the spell back because it has not officially resolved and no one has had the opportunity to respond yet. You can yeah. be like, oh. There's only two things that stop you from making a take back, see? Um, passing priority and putting another spell in the stack. Yes. Yeah. So, like, if you want to politics a spell that's already there, you got to say, hey, before you pass priority, think about that before you do it because blah, 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 blah. Right? Don't complain about it after it's happened. You're whining now. Yeah. And I mean, it, the, the whining... The, the thing about whining is is that you can also take that in different definitions of wording, you know? You can word a sentence differently to make it not be whining, you know? Yeah. Like, if somebody plays a spell you don't like, you could be like, Oh, I don't, you know, oh, that's, uh, you know, oh, now you just screwed over my whole game plan. Or you could be like, I don't think that that was, like... You can say things like, I don't think that that was the correct play in this instance. I do you that know? all the time in the yeah. game. I'll be like... I'll just be like, I don't understand that play line. And I'll leave it right there. And then they'll be like, oh, why did he say that? What did what did I do wrong? You're gonna make like, them second guess themselves. What? Yeah, yeah but like know. that's a fair thing to say. It's like I don't I don't understand what your play line is there, or I don't know why you would cast that. Is not whining and it's can be political. You know what I mean? And you're not telling them you're they're a bad player, you're just saying, I I don't understand why you're doing that. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. 
I know for me, uh, when things go like really bad, like my deck is super focused around artifacts and say no rod hits the field and I can't stop it. No one else wants to stop it. They're like, oh, that sucks for you, but that's fine. I think taking that into a political moment as well, um, I can be like, uh, okay, I'm out of the game. This sucks. This is really bad. Or you can be like, uh, this is bad and kind of turning into like a humorous thing. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that does suck. And they'll be like, I told them it's bad, but it might not register in their head that, oh, wait, he's trying to tell me I need to deal with this as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think we talked about yeah, that I really we well. Talked about it. Well, uh, I thought that was a really great discussion on politics and reading the table. Um, I think we established what those two things mean and what our takes are and how they affect the game. Uh, I hope that the listeners found this topic as interesting as we did. I know I found it very interesting. Um, politics are a huge part of our format and understanding how to utilize it as a strategy and knowing the difference between a good political player and a bully at the table are very important and should be discussed more often. Now that we have that out of the way, I think it's time for everyone's least favorite segment. Yeah, that's right. Buddy. No, I'm joking. This one's also good. Uh, Feeding the Fish. So for those of you who don't know, Feeding the Fish is a game we play on our podcast where there are four five-minute rounds. For each round, each person in the podcast has two minutes to feed the fish or pick a card and defend that card on theme for each week's topic. Then the fish or the rest of the podcast, have three minutes collectively to either argue, to either agree or disagree with the defending speaker. All time is uninterrupted, and there are no rebuttals. So, who would like to start? Um, I can start with Feeding the Fish this week. Okay. okay. Um, so, the theme for this week, which I don't think... Are you starting your time? We stated. Well, I, I'm going to state the theme. Um, I want to do everything in my power to make it so you talk as little as possible. I mean, I have two That's minutes. That's not to possible. Talk. He says two minutes. <laughs> he um, says two minutes, but there's an extra zero. Yeah. Um, for, the, for the theme for this week, we're gonna do. What do you guys think the some of the most political? What What do you guys think one of the most political cards in the format is? Mm-hmm. So to start, for me, I think one of the most political cards in the format is intuition. I love intuition. We keep bringing it up in this episode. It must be a political card. It's one of my favorite political cards. The reason why I think intuition is a great political card is because not only can it be used for deterministic piles, but it forces your opponents to have to try to work together to try to outsmart you, the person who's casting the intuition. And I think that that is super fun, super great, and it forces your opponents to politic together and communicate. And you get to politic with them a little bit too. You get to convince them to try to grab, give you the spell to your hand that you want, throw the right spell to the graveyard. Sometimes when I cast an intuition and I'm in just sky piles, I'll be like, oh, dude, like, like, oh, I don't want the Savines. Please don't give me the Savines. But really, I want to get three spells out of my graveyard onto the battlefield, not just two. And I can politic my way into trying to convince the table to give me the right card. Also, I think it's really fun when you're not going for deterministic piles to do things like grab three counter spells and, you know, to deal with a, a problem and an issue. And it's like, pick which counter spell you want me to have because it's one of the three, and that could be the card you need to win the game. I think that it's just a card that forces good social interaction, good politics, and, it, and even if you have a table that doesn't want to politic, 
They have to when you cast that card. Um, it picks one target player, but all the cards are revealed. Everything is open information, so people just start jumping on it. And people are saying, you should pick this, you should pick that, you should give them this to hand, this to hand. And they really have to read your board state and read the table to know what to give you. And I think that like makes it one of the best political cards in the game, and especially since it's played so much in CDH. And I'll end my two minutes there. So you guys have three minutes to roast me. Or tell me why I'm right. Okay. Um, I don't know how political that really is. I feel like the only way it can actually be super political is if um, you're creating a situation that is a net positive and you're forcing your opponents to do something. So say like there's this important spell in the stack and you're like, okay, intuition. And then everyone's like, okay, cool. And you go, okay, counter spell and breach and means It's like, okay, I'm getting my win cons. It's pretty much guaranteed. You can give me them and we all lose or you give me the counter spell and I save the table and I get an attempt to win next turn. And deterministic piles, what's, what's politics about that? It's like, I win, choose your flavor of death. That's my take on it. I mean, it's also really funny when you when you cast Savines into somebody else's spell and you pick them as the decider, because in certain you mean occurrences, intuition, intuition. yeah, or you know, when you cast Intuition and you pick that opponent who he either has to give you the win or lose his win, and that's where like Intuition becomes a super more difficult choice than politicking anymore, because now you're giving your opponent the option to okay. You're giving me the super high advantage, or you're losing, so or or you're not winning. So like helping your win percentage there is rough, and in the spirit of CEDH, you want to do as best as you can for your, you know, your percentage. So I believe that Adam is like a half and half on it's a political card and it's not a political card, because there are instances where you're like, all right, win con win con, counterspell. Mm -hmm. So either I'm going to have protection for maybe another win con in my hand, or I'm going to counter something somebody else is going to do, and now they have to kind of work together to figure out, is it better for him to have a way to deal with me, or is it be better for him to maybe get one out of the three pieces he needs? Mm -hmm. you well, know? Uh, Adam, I agree with you on this one. Mainly on the fact that intuition sparks conversation at the table. I think whenever someone resolves the intuition Everybody has has to have their opinion. Like, no, 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 you got to give him this card. No, I have to give him this card. No, you're an idiot. He's going to win faster if you give him this card. But in reality, it doesn't matter. But in the, what Bryce was talking about, about with deterministic, like, breach piles with Savines, yes, you're always going to win if, <laughs> if you resolve with Savines. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. You're going to stop. You're going to stop them win. You're going to... <laughs> I'm wasting time. You're gonna you're gonna stop the win, and then you're gonna win win themselves. But I do agree that it's a political card based on it sparks conversation at the table. I just don't know if sparking conversation is the same as politic politics. Like just because we're having a conversation doesn't necessarily mean oh politics are happening. But it's determining game actions by either Adam or the opponent opponents that he chooses. Yeah, we're out of time. Yeah. You guys are so, out of time. Man, I wish I could respond. I have so much shit that I would say. Well, you can't, so shut up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so who would like to go <laughs> Who would like to go next? I can go next. Okay, um, time on the clock. Mine's going to be short and simple. Uh, I'm not going to use most of my time. I'm going to talk about uh, Gitaxian Probe. It is 
a staple. We don't have to talk about how good it is. Like, it's good. The bit about politics. You are looking at someone's hand. It is inherently hidden information. So it's going to be just you and another player having that information. Once you're done resolving it, you have an amazing window to lie through your teeth. You can be like, okay, yeah, he has three wins in his hand. We have to deal with one of them. All yeah. right, everyone everyone, hold up counter spells and pass turn. Meanwhile, you're like, okay, I just need a couple turns to draw some more answers. You can create windows where you can go on. And obviously, they can be like, no, I don't have that in my hand. And you can be like, okay, I cannot reveal your hand. Only you can reveal your hand. So the only way for you to clear your name is to reveal your hand. And that's not something they ever want <laughs> to do. So if they try and go, oh, he's lying. I have nothing in my hand. You're like, okay, then reveal. And they're like, well, if I don't reveal, then it looks like I have all this stuff in my hand. If I do reveal, everything's set in stone. They know I'm not a threat. I'm at a huge disadvantage. So there's a no-win situation there. And you can create whatever situation you want by naming some imaginary card. It's just a huge um, opener for whatever nonsense you want to spew. That's it. Okay. Um, I can start. Um, I agree with you. Uh, not only in the fact that you can lie about what they have, or you can just literally tell them what they have and say, this guy's going to win next turn if you guys don't have anything. And I think that's been, I wouldn't say trending, but I've, I've been noticing it more recently where people have been jetaxi uh, and probing like people and be like, oh, this is what he has in hand. Like, before, no one has said, oh, like no one has even said what's in that opponent's hand. It's been like concealed information. So, totally political. I agree 100%. End my time. Um, <laughs> I end my time. Uh, no, I think that, uh, I do agree. I think a text and probe is one of the more political cards in the game. I think it especially allows for the opportunity that, um, the opportunity for you to, like you said, like lie through your teeth and kind of convince the table if trust is one of those things that i said is very important right when it comes to politicking and if you can make the table not trust another opponent that's a huge advantage for you so if you tell the truth or you lie about cards in their hand and then they're like i don't have that card in my hand why would you say i have that in my hand and you go well show it to everybody if you got it in your hand and they are not willing to do that the whole table has not lost trust in that player that player is at a huge disadvantage now. Now it is a three versus one because three people can trust each other and they can't trust one other player. And get probe can backfire too if you're lying or if you're telling the truth, sometimes people will think you're lying. You know what I mean? Especially if you have a reputation of doing that over multiple games. So I think it leads to a lot of politics. It leads to a lot of table conversation. It can be a very, very interesting card to use as a political tool. Yeah, and uh, I, I definitely agree with Bryce on how it's it's probably one of the most political cards um other than obviously choice decision making cards where it's literally politics like intuition like intuition and and things of that nature um but no it's it's a great card to it's a, it's a great utility for politicking and for creating almost a diversion almost cuz you can tell you know like there's a lot of times where I will get probe somebody and I'll look at their hand and I'm like, all right, uh, yeah, he's got, you know, Thassa's Oracle Consultation and the rocks to win with it. 
on turn one. And now the table is, you know, they're like, oh, well, okay, now we have to deal with this. And a lot of times it's Kian, so he's like, uh, no, I totally don't have that. And he's got, like, Adnaws in hand. So I'm just like, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. Uh, and I think we're out of time for this segment, or for this section right now. Yeah. Um... AJ, I think you're up, or do you want me to go? Uh, I can be up. Um, just say, I think that's the first time everyone's agreed with defeating the fish. So uh, Well, that's because it, it actually makes sense. Do I get yeah, my I golden mean, star? Nope. No, no, you don't hey, get it. Hey, who allowed you to talk? Oh. <laughs> Oops. I'm sorry about Standstill last week, okay? Yeah, you better Bro, be. Standstill best card. I don't know what you're talking you about. You know how much flack we got for adding you to the... <laughs> okay, uh, five minutes on the clock, AJ. This is going to be really rough. Uh, so I picked Counterbalance. Um... It's almost, in my opinion, it's not that much of a political card as much as it is a politicking. Like, it's it's politicking for you. You benefit greatly from it rather than the table. So, like, you can... Because now you have a huge decision and a huge advantage over everyone else. Especially if you combine it with things like Sensei's Divining Top, you are a, almost a menace to the table. Like, you become... You don't become a threat you become this kind of like protector of everything that's going on because counterbalance is just, it's a hoser for, especially in the current meta, it hoses a lot of things because everyone's on the same average CMC. Like I've, I've played just a raw counterbalance past turn and I've countered three spells in one turn rotation. You know, you hit that one drop and it's just, it's game over for a lot of decks. And uh, that it's it's really a political card in terms of do you want your things to resolve? Because if you manage to get me value from me literally just choosing not to do my trigger, by all means, you know, I'll I'll let your spells resolve if they benefit me in one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody goes, oh, I need to get rid of this. Well, does that benefit me? You know, like if somebody's like, okay, I'm gonna chain a vapor or Let's say Void Snare, because that's one that's on the top of my head. Um, I'll, I'll Why bounce. is that on the top of your head? Because <laughs> Void Snare is just, like, the best bounce spell. Uh, that's that's a huge argument. Uh. Uh, so, uh, regardless, somebody goes to bounce something, and I have, let's say, a one-drop on top, and it's, it's a one-drop bounce spell. I can choose to let that resolve or not, and that's where the politics really come in, is does it benefit me? Because if it does, sure. But time. Yeah, that's time. Okay, so uh, this is going to be easy. So Void Snare. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can bring up Void Snare. I don't care. Open and shut case. Yeah, right. like, yeah no duh. The fact that counterbalance requires Void, void Snare. snare. No, 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 no. I just... Void hey, Snare. Hey, shut up. Shut up. up. You can't you talk. talk. No, no, no. I'm saying... Shut up. Shut up. It's our three minutes. We're the fish. We get to restart Restart our timer. Yeah, we get to restart. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Counterbalance is... It can be used as a political tool. I think it's one of the weaker political cards that you can play in the game because you don't have a lot of control over it. You have control over the reveal, but I think your opponents gain more information than you do off of Counterspell. So I think your opponents actually, it's a better political card for them than it is for you. Because when you flip that top, now they know what your next draw is. That's a huge political advantage. And if you can't manipulate the top of your deck, well... 
that's a huge disadvantage for you. Whether or not you counter that spell, for the one spell that you might counter out of every three or four flips, it feels really good. But how much information are you revealing to your opponents every time that you're doing that? Mm -hmm. So I think that it it's more of a political card for your opponents than it is for yourself. And, yeah. Like, when are you not going to counter a spell if you have the ability to? And plus, it's up to chance if you don't have top deck manipulation. So it's really just A, revealing information, and in the cases... in the cases that like it works like it's like holy shit i couldn't have done anything else i couldn't have responded to this spell any other way and the counterbalance saved me i don't think it's a political tool i just think that it's like a good card you know so uh i thought it was just straight up bad but uh the more you talk the more it made sense uh i actually someone agree with you on this um i think it (laughs) he's simping Simp. I mean, I'm not saying your points are wrong, like, but I think as the player, right? Obviously, you want to counter as many spells as possible. But all of a sudden, you have it on one, and someone's like, "Oh, I can chain a vapor something, but I need you to just not uh, counterbalance this." Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're put in a position of power. Why would you chain a vapor if you want could just avoid snare it? Yeah, what? The, literally, the best bounce. You're spell, killing our dude. time, right? But it puts you in a position of power for people to politic with you. Instead of you going, okay, I need a politic with you, they're coming to you, which is kind of interesting. I wouldn't say it's the best politicking tool, but it creates more politics at the table, which if you're good at that, I think you can run away with that. Like, if I'm using it, I'm only going to go so far, but if Adam's using it, he's going to run away with that, Mm because he can take advantage of it. Yeah. Alright. Now, finally, Kian. Okay, so... You guys have been talking about politics with all the cards, right? But you guys missed another topic that we talked about this episode, and that's reading the table. That brings me to my card, Praetor's Grasp. Okay, so it, it what? <laughs> that's your political. This card? is my this is my political card. Okay, you, you cannot talk. Shut the fuck up. Okay, I'm trying to talk. Okay, so pr- God, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so Praetor's Grasp can be used. Yes, it can be can be used as an extra like backup or win con, but it can also be used in taking away that win con from your opponent or taking away a card that you read that they might need that they maybe might tutor for or maybe they need right now you can just take it away from them and that's going to influence their other game actions to try to either like crack a fetch oh what did you take from me oh you took that card well i'm not going to get that back now now i have to go through a whole separate lines because you took that one card that i needed and yes you guys will come at me oh that's not a political card no it's not it's reading the table and taking away your opponent's game actions to either help progress your own game state or just stymie theirs that's all i got there's nothing freaking political about that i mean but hold on thanks it, for it, proving my point i literally said it's, it's <laughs> on theme because the theme wasn't just politics it was reading the table but that I mean, wasn't the theme of the feeding the fish <laughs> well i don't care what the fucking theme of the feeding the fish is i don't care about feeding no damn fish reading it's also not reading the table sitting down and saying oh this commander plays this combo i'm gonna take this card out of the deck i don't think is really reading the table <laughs> I mean, you're just that's like, exactly no, reading the table. No, that's the game knowledge you were talking about earlier. Knowing how decks play and knowing the, their game knowledge is not reading the table. I, I don't think Prairie's Grass is a political card. I wish you would have went with Gilded Drake like we talked about before this episode. You pranked, idiot. I feel like the best comparison to this is a removal spell. Because... Void Snare? <laughs> you shut up, okay? 
But like in the same way you just kill a creature, you're just deleting it. You're deleting a card from their deck. The best thing about Praetor's Grasp is that it exiles a card face down. That's yes. the ultimate removal. It really is, because you can hold open the so much just from that. Also, no card, you can't retrieve a card from exile if it's exiled face down. So, Correct. like, a card liberated doesn't get it back. A um, pull, pull from eternity doesn't get it back. None of, If it's face down, it's gone. I think I think Karn Liberated does because he restarts the game. I think or, the, I'm talking about you're Karn. thinking about Karn, uh, Great Creator. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I Karn. think the only way you can consider this like reading the table is if you feel like they're about to tutor for a win con. Like, say they've already tutored and they got Sanded Pact. You can go, okay, I know they're gonna go and try to get fish, but the problem is, what if they already have fish and that's why they got Sanded Pact? It's all coming together now. The reason why Praetor's Grass is a political card is because you get to search their library. And there's revealed information in the library. And you can tell people, like, hey, I searched their library and there is no Thoracle. Thoracle must be in their hand. You can politic with that the same way you can with Git Probe, with Praetor's Grasp, the same way you can with Opposition Agent. Now, That's I'm swinging point. back full circle. Dude, from now, the needle in the haystack. Yo, why are you playing devil's advocate? What's going on? No, I just thought about it. I'm like, oh, shit. This is literally the same argument as Git Probe. And, like, man, Opposition Agent would have been a really good card to pick for this. Because, like... That's almost the same thing. I mean, it's a, okay, it's a yeah, free get probe. It's literally just get probe. It, it's a free. It's a almost better minus get the draw. Probe. Minus the draw, and you don't get to see the hand with Praetor's Grasp. Actually, it's almost well. Here's the thing about because um, you don't control them, so like you don't, you have to assume what's in their hand. Well, no, I was talking about Oppo Agent. Hey, but, can I pull up your deck list real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah that type of stuff. <laughs> um, but we are out of time for for this one because you were so quick with your defense. bad card. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought it was a good pick. No, I, I, now that yeah, now that we're done, it was definitely a good pick. But I think now that we're done with feeding the fish, it's time to move to our cleanup step and end this episode. I have some frog triggers on the stack. Nah, you you're, you're gonna win. To you're gonna win in the cleanup. You're gonna dredge or what? Um, no, he's gonna draw and an empty ooh, Wait a minute, <laughs> frog doesn't do that. Um, so once again, we want to shout out all of our high tier patrons. Thank you to Usable Object, Cold Ramen, and Geos Justin, respectively. Support from our patrons has been absolutely amazing, and it's helping us continue to produce this content weekly. We will link our Patreon link down in the description below if you would like to also become a patron. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for all of our channel news, updates, giveaways, and future collaborations. We will also link that in the description as well. Also, please join our Discord. We've almost passed the 100 member mark, which is amazing for the little community that we've started to grow. If you'd like to talk to us about our recent episodes, learn about our decks, ask for advice, or just talk to us about your day, we'd love to have you there. We will link the Discord in the description as well. And finally, whether you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, drop us a review, or share us with our, your friends. It really helps with growing our channel and gives us the ability to work with new people and reach new audiences. And with that, I think we'll end this episode. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Thank you, guys. Adios. Yeah. Have a good one.